This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the Books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. Just want to take a moment and thank everyone who made my latest novel, Only the Dead, number one on the New York Times bestseller list in hardcover, ebook combined, and audio. It is sincerely appreciated. My guest today, his second time on the podcast, Remy Adelecki. Remy is an actor, filmmaker, author, entrepreneur, and former Navy SEAL. You have seen him in films like Six Underground, Transformers, Ambulance, Plane, and The Terminal List on Amazon Prime. He also starred in the Fox reality competition show, Special Forces World's Toughest Test, the U.S. version of the popular British TV series, SAS Who Dares Wins. His memoir, Transformed, takes you on Remy's journey from Nigeria to the Bronx to the SEAL teams. His latest novel, Chameleon, a black box thriller, is available now. And without further ado, Remy Adelecki. Remy, thanks for coming up, man, and making the trek up here. And it's great to see you. Thanks for having me, brother. It's an honor blessing to be here. Oh, man. Yes, sir. And gosh, I wanted people, we talked a lot about your, your history and book over here transformed and and, uh, in the first podcast that we did, but now you're here in person. Yeah. Awesome to see you and uh, talk about chameleon, but I want to talk about some other stuff too. Yeah. Let's kick it off with, uh, for for people that haven't heard the whole backstory, I think go back to that first podcast, get the book more importantly, get the book, uh, which I understand has been uh, optioned. Yeah. Well bought, purchased. It's been purchased the the book rights, uh, my life rights. And then uh, I was hired to write, write the screenplay from a major studio. Can't mention just yet screenplay's done oh, uh wow. i'm actually uh gonna be doing more rewrites on it after the writer strike because i'm right. a wga writer so i can't yeah. touch it but yeah i'm excited man that yeah. is because when you're reading that thing you're like oh this is 100 percent should be a movie yeah. like that's what <laughs> that's the thought that you have when you're reading this thing Thank going you, through because it's i mean such, obviously such a unique story yes, no one like has anything that's kind of parallels it like yeah. it's unique a hundred percent and uh and it's just an amazing story so Thank we talk you, about that on the first one i'm so excited that it's uh it's in the process yeah, heading that direction yeah. although everything's on pause yeah. for rider strike same with us same thing for season two terminal list yeah. and the spinoff ben edwards series that's we're all pencils down on all that stuff and which gives me a chance to work on book seven. There so for me, go. I just shift focus, yeah. you know, but uh, what do you think about the, the, the writer strike right now? Have you been out there? Have you, have you gone out to the picket lines and no, seen the guys out there? You know, I live down in San Diego, so it's been hard to get out there. What I've been trying to do is, um, you know, voice my support via social post, media yeah. and just keep it going that way. And, you know, anytime I get a chance to jump on a podcast, talk about it. But as far as my thoughts, I think it's a hundred percent, it's a hundred percent necessary. Um, you know, being a, being a WGA writer, uh, I've been in situations where producers and, and, and studios will take advantage, you know, they'll try and get what they can get and not pay for, um, the services. And as I mentioned on a post a while back, you know, without a writer, there's no books without a screenwriter. There's no movies. There's yeah. no TV shows. And so, you know, it's it's important that we get our due. I don't think it, we need to get up like way above and beyond astronomical numbers. But, you know, we, we shouldn't have to compete with AI, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is which is a whole Another topic. So are those the two, the two big issues? Like, I think there are a bunch of things have been building for a while, right? The yeah. streaming stuff. I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of issues, yeah. but the main ones that you hear about are one AI and two, uh, the streaming side of the house. Cause yeah. since the last writer strike, a lot has 
happened, the growth of streaming yeah. and all the rest of it. So it yeah. seems like that's been building for a while and it seemed like the strike was coming for a while, yep. but then all of a sudden, let's say January of this year, it just seems like AI has been on everyone's mind. Yeah. And this really seems to be the first uh, union, the first industry to tackle AI. hundred percent. Cause yeah, the studios, what they want to do is they want to be able to, uh, use AI and not have to pay writers, you know, yeah. because if, if, if Netflix or which, by the way, during negotiations, during the WGA, AMPTP negotiations, uh, we brought it up. The WGA brought up, Hey, we want, we want to minimize and not ha have AI be used. And the AMTP said, we're not even discussing that. That's not even, we're not even going to have a conversation about that. And one of the big pushers of that was, was the stream were the streamers, you know, for the most part, because they save a lot of, they could save a lot of money by having an AI, uh, generate a script and then have an executive or, or an assistant fill in the blanks. Uh -huh. And now they don't have to pay WGA scale. So that is, that is a huge issue. Um, then also there is the residuals as you brought up, you know, residuals on, on network and cable is are way more, uh, than residuals with streamers and the streamers are making a whole lot of money. My yeah. experience in Hollywood is very limited yeah, to yeah. one, one show. Yeah, that yeah. is all I know. It was an awesome uh, show though. Thank man. you. <laughs> thank you. That you were man. in, that you were yeah, in. No, thanks for the opportunity, <laughs> man. It was awesome. I mean, the, the writing was amazing on terminal list. The acting was phenomenal. Chris Pratt crushed it. Everybody crushed yeah. it. LaMonica Garrett, everybody. Oh, absolutely yeah. crush it i love that it was it was so authentic and grounded and as we kind of talking about offline there was that there weren't those unrealistic situations <laughs> where you have somebody who shouldn't be beating up 100 per 100 people <laughs> fighting off 100 people by themselves yeah. doing that yeah. so um it was a great and, that, and, and that's why it was successful and Thank i think you. that you know right now um the public is hungry for authenticity. Yeah. What's real, what's raw, what gets to the truth. And there's so much out there. That's the one thing that's essentially differentiating between all the other stuff and content like terminal lists. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good. And I don't think I know it's going to continue to crush, you know, just like your books are continuing oh, yeah. to crush season after season because of how real raw and authentic it is, man. But thank it was you. an honor to be a part of it, man. Oh, well, thank yeah. you. And it take every, every meeting that we had, uh, Chris and Antoine, we'd always talk about how we're making this for that person who went downrange to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. We're not making it for critics. We're not making it for awards. We went to that person that went downrange to put yeah. their feet up on that couch, crack that beer at the end of the day, turn this thing yeah, on, yeah, yeah. and at least know we made the effort yes. to like make the show for them. There's always yeah. going to be that uh, percentage of Hollywood hot sauce in these things yeah, that move yeah, the plot yeah, forward yeah, yeah. and do certain things here and there. Yeah. But uh, but we wanted them to realize that hey, we made something for them, not for anybody else. And uh, Antoine always on set or in the uh, editing and post-production it was always like, hey, if somebody watches this, yeah, yeah. if a seal watches this, will they roll their eyes at this part? Yeah, yeah. And if the answer was yes, boom, done. You know, we're cutting it, we're moving things around, yeah, yeah, or we're reshooting it yeah. uh, if he's out there and directing it the day of. And uh, so that was really cool That's to awesome. see that and see everybody focused and have such a cool vibe on set with so many people coming yeah. up to me and telling me that they've been on hundreds of movie sets and they never felt this way on yeah, one yeah. before and that's all due to Chris and Antoine at the top setting yeah. that tone, tone strategically yeah. Yeah, for yeah. the entire 
entire production. But then so also the, cool. the foundation of it, the oh, book, you. you know, the book, the fa- having that foundation that played played a major role in setting that tone from the get and bringing that team together, you know, uh, because, it's, you know, books are awesome. And uh, congratulations on season two. Thank you. And Thank the Ben you. Edwards. And the Ben Edwards spinoff, yeah. That yeah. was a sick character. That was. People really, and Taylor brought it to the next level. Yeah. That was one that was yeah. so much more thoughtfully developed yeah. in the writer's room yeah, yeah, yeah. and then Taylor comes to it and takes that and elevates Elevated. it to a whole new level, yeah. like much more so than it was in the novel. So that's one of the characters that, uh, that I saw totally elevated above and beyond what I had yeah. in the book and without, yeah, Taylor just crushed it. So it made sense to, Team to guy. do a, like when I saw him yeah. and his performance and the way he acted yeah. and the way he spoke and <laughs> brother, yeah. brother, I was like, he's got the tats, you know, he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh-huh. Drinking the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, he was fantastic. So we have, uh, we, we got up to episode five, uh, in the writer's room okay. and, uh, before the strike hit and yeah, pencils yeah. down as soon as that stri- writer strike yeah, hit, yeah. but they are good. Like I am so oh, fired I'm up excited. and it's also, there's no, like the characters were part of the, the books, yeah. but there isn't something that someone can go, Oh, let's go to the Ben Edwards story yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was wrong. This was wrong. Yeah, this was yeah, yeah. Uh, different here. I hate it. Yeah. You so know? You're creating exactly. the whole world from the ground. How exactly. far back is the story going to go? You know, I don't know I how I can, but I don't think I'm allowed to say exactly, okay, 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 but okay. it goes back. Um, to his split from the SEAL teams to okay. the CIA. So it just yeah. getting into the team. And so, so that side of it, okay. and this one goes more, it goes international. Okay. So rather the first one is a, a action thriller, yeah. conspiracy thriller, yeah. revenge thriller. This one's like international spy thriller. Yeah, okay. Um, so it goes to that. Uh, so it really expands, takes things international awesome. and really elevates things to a whole new level. And so I'm, a, I'm assuming awesome. that, you know, because we know what happened at the end of season one, that he played a huge role in. Yeah, yeah. Know, everything that went down this is almost like a venom type anti-hero dead you know just the anti-hero setup yeah Yeah, 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 like how did somebody go from that to this what led someone down that path yeah and uh so it's that start it's the start of that path that's gonna be awesome uh, yeah chris is in seven episodes chris is in three uh taylor leads in this one then we roll right from that in a true believer which is the second book which chris pratt leads and uh yeah but i'm I'm fired up this one is like because it should because we got to prove to Amazon that this worked yeah, yeah, like yeah, this yeah, first yeah, one yeah, worked. So yeah. that gives you a little political capital yeah. in order to, uh, to move things on yeah, yeah. maybe in a way that, uh, that, uh, that you want, or they're not going to question as much yeah, because yeah. they see that, Oh, this one worked. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We can trust this team going forward. And so I think that's a, that's a huge, huge part of it, which that's is awesome. great to have a little more, you know, we had, Le- we had a ton of freedom in the first one, but there were a couple of sticking points yeah, yeah, and yeah. to Amazon's credit, they came down on our side every yeah. time. Oh, that's and awesome. yeah, but it was like, some things were like, Oh, Okay. Yeah. And, and, and uh, we talk about it in the terminal list podcast that I did with the showrunner, David DeGilio yeah, and Jared yeah, Shaw. Yeah, um, so we did that, uh, that podcast and talk about each episode, but, um, but Amazon to their credit, they came down on our side every time, yeah. even if it was a little reluctantly, maybe in a couple parts, but it, uh, it, yeah, it set up this, uh, spinoff and this second, uh, second season. So and now you got the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. A little more freedom. So, so the next season is going to be, uh, the uh, the Ben Edwards mm-hmm. story, and then the yep. season after that, the third 
Essentially, yep. the third season will be Roll. the true believer. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, as soon as we get to, like the second the writer strike yeah. is over, we'll pick those pencils back up and get yeah, right yeah. to work where we where we left off. That's but awesome. uh, but yeah, for me, it gives me a little a chance to just shift focus and go into into book seven and yeah. uh, and get right in that. But I want to talk to you about uh, writing process as well yeah, because yeah, yeah. writing process for me, as you can see outside, there's a lot going yeah, on yeah, yeah, at this, yeah. this house. So uh, so I get out of here. I got to get out of yeah. here. Um, and uh, for, let's see, two books ago, I started renting places okay. around Park City yeah, yeah, yeah. and just had to get to a place where it was quiet and yeah. it wasn't interrupted. Uh, and then this last one, I went to a friend's house and in uh, in Park City still. So still pretty close, but yeah. I get to drop the kids off at school, go there uninterrupted in this place and then pick the kids up at Cross or yeah. whatever else they're doing and then and bring them home at the end of the day uh, and then get to work late at night here when it's yeah. quiet here. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of, that's kind of the, the process, but yeah. what's that what's, what was the process for you in writing this? And was it similar to your process as far as doing screenplays? What do you have yeah. to have? Do you need uninterrupted quiet time like me? I know yeah. you write at your house, you take yeah. pictures and post them on yeah. social media of yeah. where yeah. you're working. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that, is, is that like right there in the house and you go and yeah. people leave you alone or do they, does the fam come in and knock on the door? Oh, and they know, they know not to knock. Really? The you have the rules. <laughs> they know the rules. Man. Really? No, just like we were talking about Dang. offline, when an idea pops in your head or a line of dialogue, you know, comes to you or a specific action sequence and you're in it and somebody not, you, you could lose it. I know. And it's just like, ah. I know. But, you know, interestingly, you know, with my process, a lot of it starts before I even get to the computer, mm. like before I, before page one, yeah. but also like before I get to the computer for the day. Like, okay. you know, when an idea comes to me like chameleon, I just take notes. Like, so for years, a story came, the idea came to me in 2010. I was in, in on, on deployment downrange in Iraq okay. and uh, I was doing a humid job, okay. but, you know, human intelligence stuff. Yeah. And I had to become different characters mm. when I was working with different sources. Okay. So I had to become a chameleon. And that's where I titled the chapter in the, in the transform book years ago. And when I wrote it years ago, I, there's a title, a, a chapter titled chameleon. Mm. And so a lot of people know that that was the foundation of, for this book, but also that's when it all came to me back yeah. in 2010. And so from that point on, I would just take notes. I'd never figured I would be in a film and TV business writing screenplays. I never in a million years thought that I would be, you know, writing, writing, you know, fiction thriller books. And so, but for some reason, something told me, just take notes, just take notes. You never know what happened. And so when I finally got to the point where I was like, all right, I want to write this screenplay. Cause it actually started out as a screenplay mm -hmm. first. I had a, I had a notepad full of notes, how I want to start the opening sequence, mm. you know, who, who are the characters, even certain lines of dialogue. Yeah. There were times where I would hear people say things over the years. I'd be like, Oh, that would be a uh -huh. cool line of dialogue to uh -huh. put in the script. And so I would drop that in, into my notepad. And so as far as my writing process, when I got to the outline phase, all I had to do was take this conglomerate of information and start dropping it into the outline. And then, um, when I got to page the page one, I was ready to go. Now every single day and night, I get ideas. Like when I'm, away, I, it's so funny. I wrote most of the book and most of the script away from the computer. 
Mm. Like I'd be on a treadmill, you know, running or whatever the case may be. And an idea would, I get so many ideas when I'm working out an idea would come to me. So I just drop it into my, you know, on my phone, into my notepad. So first did you have a physical one? Like in in Iraq in 2010, did you have a physical notepad where you're writing this stuff down? It was all digital. Really? Yeah, it was all digital. I had like a, you know, what was that? The, uh, the iPhone notes or something. The iPhone notes. And I still like, interestingly, like, like this is crazy. So for, um, Book, you still have them? You can go book, back? Chameleon book three. Nice. I, I, you know, I'm, already not, notes. I'm, I'm already on book two, but Chameleon book three, I already yeah. got notes. So oh, yeah. things got come it. to me, you know, Chameleon book two, the unexpected screenplay, transform screenplay, all of that stuff. Nice. When it comes to me, I just drop them in there. And like I said, you know, the day before I'm going to write chapter two or chapter three, like I'll be working out and ideas will come to me and I'll drop them in my notepad and then I'll lay down after a day of writing. My brain is still working. You know yeah. how it is. A, a writer's brain is always working. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always trying to figure out, especially when you, when you write yourself into a corner or into a situation that seems hard to get out of. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, even when you walk away from the computer, your brain is just still has adapted to still figure out the solution yeah. to that problem. Oh yeah. And that's when I get the notes and then I go back to the computer. All right. But for me, as I said, I need to be, I needed to be quiet. I can't write around people. Yeah. I, I hear writers going to coffee shops and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know how you can do that. Cause I'm so easily distracted uh-huh. and I need a solid eight hours to write. Yep. So, and, and, and I, I don't go for, um, I know some people go for page count or some people go for chapter, you know, to get word to a specific count or chapter mm-hmm. or work. Yeah. For me, it's all about time. Okay. Like I need eight hours at eight hours, pencils down. Um, really? You you'll know, stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. Really? And, and the help is, you know, my nanny gets off at a specific time. So it's like, <laughs> I have to stop. There's no choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't stop. Like I keep, yeah. I keep going. Yeah, yeah. And that's why this, this one had, and it's harder to keep going the older I get yeah, yeah, like yeah. three books ago, a couple all nighters, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, keep yeah, going yeah. in the morning and uh, just roll right into getting the kids to school and yeah. then coming back and keep going just yeah. pound that coffee and, yeah, this time I did three of those in about a week and a half and uh, closer to the end and it, it hurt me. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was not as easy yeah. as it was back in the day. Yeah. That is for sure. Oh, yeah. I've done those four in the morning, you know, right until four in the morning. Yeah, I will have to put the kids down, go back to the computer because yeah. I got this idea that I just can't put in a notepad. I got to yep. get to the computer, write it, and I'll just be working it until four in the morning. Before I know it, it's four in the morning. Look at the yeah. clock. Holy crap, it's four in the morning. Right. I got to get up in three hours to get these kids ready for school. Yep. And, uh, uh, but but that's where the magic happens, yeah. man. That's what you know. That's what just like you know when we were in the teams, man, and and just doing whether it was operating or doing a training workup, and it was like it, it was a kick in the nuts. But you were happy and you you enjoyed it so much that it was just like the time just flew by, and before yeah. you know it, knew it, you were halfway through a deployment. So yeah. that's kind of how you know I see writing and and, and storytelling. It's like yeah. when you enjoy it, when it's your passion, it just makes makes time fly by. Yeah, I'm gonna take some notes from you because I think I need yeah. to do the notepad yeah, yeah. on the computer thing is what I do is I send myself emails to an email that only goes to a separate computer that has an email for the books. And so it's me telling me just nobody else has the email and I just send myself an idea. I'll put a a subject line in there, uh, like book seven, even if I'm working on book six or book five, book seven, uh, line or book seven theme or book seven title or books, whatever it is. And I send it to myself, but then I'm going through those, yeah, trying to find that. I'm like, I know I sent myself something or I hope I sent myself something on this idea. Scroll but it seems like having it set up so like you much do easier. is a better and way to go. The good thing about it too is 
it's it you know my phone syncs with my laptop it also okay. syncs with my computer so i'm not having to go to my 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 uh my phone, phone and text or email something i could just copy and paste from my computer because the notepad it's is right all there. sent to the to the document that i'm working on whether it's final draft or whether it's a, a yeah. word document that i'm working on so it just it makes it more convenient that's for sure. Yeah. That might be a bridge too far for me. I don't know. <laughs> Getting things to sync in the, oh my, I think I just, just like missed it as far as being able to do all that stuff. I'm always have to call the kids or call yeah. somebody like, so I, that's hence me sending emails to myself, there like you go, not as go. efficient at all, yeah. but trying to get things to sync. And when they don't like me trying to figure it out or it asking me for a password or something, it's like, ah, hey, simple solution. Apple ID, put your, put this, oh. use the same Apple ID in all your devices if you have an iMac or yeah. a, a you know, computer, a laptop, Air Mac, yeah. or whatever. Well, it don't sync all the problem with the writing computer is that it's separate. And so I don't want anything else popping up on there. God. And when I sync, yeah. it's like all of a sudden it's like things are popping up yeah. and Text it's like, messages. what? Yeah. And you're like, wait, yeah. turn this off. And so I have it totally separate. God. So there's no distractions writing. It's yeah. only, I mean, the only reason it's connected to the internet is for that email that yeah. I send to myself. Yeah. And so Google. it can update Word. Okay. Yeah. Update Word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 every yeah. now and again, I'll Google, but more often than not, I'll bring the other computer in, okay. turning everything off on that and use that as a separate thing Got to search it. and then take it out of the room. I leave my phone in another room. I leave my other computer in another room. So just with me in my yeah. writing room is just this computer. And there are definitely more cost effective ways to do yeah, this. Yeah, I get yeah. a new computer for every book. Oh, wow. And, uh, wow. and I stand, so it's, so I start over every time, like all the things that are on my, whatever's on there, yeah. I just start over and I take this one folder that is like book seven or whatever it's titled, yeah. uh, even though when I'm working on book six yeah. and I'll just drag that one, not drag it, I'll God. email it to myself or whatever, pull yeah. it over. And, uh, and so I'll have a new computer with just those ideas fresh. on it. Fresh. That's exactly. All, that's a, you know, it's like we talked about earlier with sports, you know, all every athlete has their ritual mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with writing. That's a super interesting ritual to have yeah. a, a new computer yeah. for every new book or screenplay that's yeah. awesome. like there's probably more cost-effective ways to yeah. do this for anybody listening <laughs> but uh but yeah i take my watch off i set it down yeah. i have a notepad and a pen have that right there next to yeah. me have uh books for for research that i have there maybe some printouts if there's something that i needed to print out that wasn't in a book yeah. have that there and then just the computer and quiet uninterrupted time and go there you go okay. Yeah. But, uh, so when you're writing, so you're 2010, you're downrange, you're coming yeah. up with this, this idea. Yeah. And what are you thinking it's going to be for in the future? You just didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. I just, I just felt like, you know, uh, I, I grew up on James Bond, loved James Bond as a kid. That was the reason, one of the reasons why I was all up for going a human route. I remember, um, we got a taste of it at, at uh, SQT and I was like, what is this? We're able to kind of learn tradecraft and run sources in the teams. I didn't know that that existed. Uh -huh. And then, you know, uh, when I, when I got into the teams and I got exposed to it more, that's when I was just like, this is this is like what I watch in the movies. This is James Bond. This is Jason Bourne. This is like, you know, not to that level, not in a Hollywood way, but it's, it's, it's yeah. neck up. It's intelligence. It's intelligence mm -hmm. gathering. And, uh, and so that's when, uh, when, when, when I was just like, dude, it would be so cool to create a protagonist that has a similar background as mine from Nigeria, comes to the United States, goes down this path of, of being, being in, uh, you know, a, a tier one intelligence unit. It's not a military unit, but uh, intelligence unit and, and, and put that out into the unit, put that out into the world. So, so, you know, the idea came to me, but I never saw it being a book or anything. I just was like, this would be a cool idea. Uh, maybe in the future, you know, it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. I don't know, but I'm just going to at least take these notes. Yeah. And so, um, 
and that's when it started in 2010. And I was able, you know, I went to the, I went and trained at the NSA interagency uh, for a, a TSO course back nice. in, I want to say 2009. And then so when, when did they pull you out? Did you already, did you already do a deployment or what, what, at what point did they come up to you and say, or did you go up to, to like leadership chief or whatever and say, Hey, I'm interested in this uh, yeah. TSO ASOT human thing or like, how did that work? Well, the funny thing was I, when I got to the command, I, I I automatically raised my hand. I was like, "This is what I wanted." Like, you know, I was already a corpsman, so I already had that that okay. specialization. And I was just like, "Hey, I want to I want to go to humans." It, we call the ASO back in the day. Names name has changed since then, and and the word I got from my chief was like, "You can't because new guys can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to you have to have some type of you have to have experience, and then um, after you have some experience, then you can you can go and 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 try it out." go to school and they, he also said it was like a tough school to get in, to, to get through or whatever. Yeah. And so, um, I was like, Roger that I'll do what I got to do. And, um, and we finished the work up. We finished, uh, we finished, uh, uh, what you would call it? Uh, pro dev and, 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 uh, and then, yeah, yeah it was, yeah, it was pro dev and then ULT and, and uh, advanced Trent, whatever it was after that, get yeah, ready to go. Yeah. I forgot the term. And then the, uh, uh, we got word where unit we level were training. Going. There it is. ULT. You know, ULT. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We got word where we were going, and and that they would need more level twos, really, uh, and level threes. So before your first deployment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, "Hey, we'll need more level twos and level threes to be able to to actually go do this job," and uh, and no, none of the guys wanted to volunteer. And our my oh, platoon chief at OIC was like, "Who wants to go?" And nobody wanted to volunteer. And and and, and part of the reason why was because of the writing that's involved uh-huh. at human school that like like a lot of it is writing you go out and you, you know, obviously you have the classroom you have the classroom sessions and then you you go out and you do the source meets and all that other stuff but then you got to come back and write these super long reports mm-hmm. and that was like the that was <laughs> that was a message that a lot of guys were getting they were getting from guys who went through the course it revolves around a lot of writing and it sucks and then when you go down <laughs> range like after you have a source meet you know you got it right yeah and these reports got to go up the chain of command and and so nobody wanted to do it. So my hand shot up because I had been writing since I was a kid. My mom would make my brother and I read New York Times articles and and, and read books and write reports on them. So I hadn't been exposed to writing. So I didn't mind writing. Mm. And so I was just like, hey, I'm in. And uh, my platoon chief got me a waiver and I was able to go to the course and then it all it all started from there. And then um, what did you think of the course? Was it was it hard or was it? Uh, it was tough. It yeah. was tough. Yeah, we had a we had a lot of guys. We actually had a lot of guys who failed out of the course, yeah. you know, in part because of the writing side of it. Um, and, uh, you know, it wasn't like physically tough. It was more mentally. And, and when I say mentally, I don't mean like mental toughness, more intellectually yeah. tough. And um and yeah, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. There were a bunch of Green Berets that ran the course and former agency guys that, that ran the course. So it was fun to learn from them. Nice. They, I remember one class they showed us like a, a bunch of scenes from spy games to teach us, you know, to give us a visual exposure as to trade craft and all of that excited Get me. Get you fired I, up. I loved spy games. Yeah, you know, it's the a film. great one. And, uh, and yeah, it was, it was great. And so, uh, you know, then after I finished that course, we deployed a few months later and, and, and I was doing that job. And then for my second deployment, on my second deployment is when 
I really is when I really the idea really started to come to me. Okay. And I was really like, dude, where'd you go for the first one? I I, I, I racked the first one. I racked the second one. Did you get to real, did you get to use that uh, that that tradecraft in the first one? Did you get to use those? Yeah, those skills? yeah. I got to I got to do I got to do you know some human stuff. Few, yeah, it was more cool. on the second one though. More on the second one. Okay. Yeah, more on the second one. The second one was like really where I was like, you know, I had like a whole pool of sources. Oh wow. And uh, and and I was in charge of these guys and i had a level three what was he no our level three yeah our level three was on the same base as ours on same fob as ours and uh it was just constant work and in order to get operations you know not this wasn't the only way but in order to get da's like a big part of it was the source handling because mm-hmm. all the information had to be vetted you couldn't just have the source come in and give you information and be like all right we're going to go hit a target like it right. had to be vetted with sigin yeah. it had to be vetted with you know other sources from, from other places other documentation it was a whole process it wasn't like you know some people see in the movies where it's like oh there's a bad guy over there all right we as seals are going to go get this bad guy right. you know we're brainless and we're right. going to go do this it's it, a lot goes into it so that's when i really had the chance to 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 hone my skills as a, skills as a source handler yeah. and then also as a writer and and really write detailed reports because those reports would dictate whether we would go on an op or not mm. you know and so and you know guys want to go op they want to go do work yeah and so that's when i really uh i really got into it more so on that second pump and i enjoyed it i yeah. enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it man and for people listening like yeah. the reason you don't just believe somebody that walks in is because oh, yeah. maybe their neighbor stole their goat mm-hmm. over there. And mm-hmm. guess what? They're going to come tell the Americans that this guy's burying IEDs. Yep. Uh, and they're like, okay, let's, we, yep. let's go tell the seals. They'll go hit that house yep. type of a thing. Yep. So uh, we learned that very early on. Yep. That's or, hence or, the professionalism of what you're doing with yep. level one, level two and that sort of a thing. Or worst case scenario, a guy who you think is a source is actually working for Al Qaeda mm-hmm. or Jaysh Mujahideen or some other group. And they're feeding you bad yeah, information you and sending well. you into an ambush. You know, to get killed. So it's so it, it takes a lot of. Um, yeah, it's not just it's not just the academic side of things that you have to learn. You also have to have like. And I use the word street smarts, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do that job and growing up in the Bronx, you know. I had to learn how to, you know, you got to learn how to read people. You yeah. got to have, yeah, you have to learn when somebody's lying to you or not, especially when I was out there selling drugs and running scams and doing all the crazy stuff that I was doing out there. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta have some awareness of your surroundings and be heads up. And mm-hmm. cause if not, you'll get taken advantage of, or worst case scenario, you'd be in the wrong situation and end up getting killed. Yeah. So I was able to take that, that sh- the street smarts that I learned from, from, from growing up in the Bronx, mm-hmm. you know, ca- you know, build upon that you know yeah. by going through school and then you know learn learn how to do that more so in my second deployment third yeah. de- you know, first deployment second deployment and third deployment you know and, and then really growing from there so um it all served me well it all served yeah. me well so first deployment yeah Iraq, yeah. second deployment, back to Iraq, yeah. third one, you go to another country yeah. where you're using your skills yeah. attached to a uh, special mission unit yep. that's uh, that's going out there trying to a- apprehend people, capture, kill people yep. that uh, that might have intelligence on yep. them that'll lead to, to other sources that'll allow you to affect the battle space. Mm. Um, but uh, that is a pretty unique place to uh, be able to, to apply the trade. Yeah, yeah. And the crazy thing was, there were no other American forces in the country. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only closest American forces were at the embassy. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, man. Did you feel were, like you were out there? Oh, hanging we, out? we were hanging it out there for sure. We, I mean, when we landed in country, um, there was, there was no base. There was no fob. We landed on this, on this, on this old abandoned, you know, uh, Yemenese air force, uh, 
I don't even want to call it a base because it was like run down. And then, you know, we, uh, they, uh, they had some, some guys truck down some, uh, what was it? Those barriers who put the sand in. The Esco barriers. Uh, Esco barriers. And then we pitched Dang. and set up tents. And that was like, that was our first night. Our first night we set up camp and, and that was it. There was nothing else there. And then from there, there was some sources that, you know, were already there waiting. And then the interpreters that were, had been in country had already been working with some sources. So we got those, I got the guy handed those guys. And from there we would, we would get intelligence. And then obviously the other unit we were working with, they had, tons of intelligence because they had more assets and so wow. you know we would vet the intelligence against some of my sources obviously their sort their intelligence was was much much better than ours and we would, we would do the job so Man. um that's that's what at that point and it, it, the cool thing was the first two deployments really set me up for that it really mm-hmm. helped prepare me to get to that point to be in that situation where it's like hey you're not going to have a lot of assets you're not going to your writing has to be on point because you're not going to have somebody to to be checking over your shoulder every five minutes yeah. and uh, what you're doing is going to be, you know, even more so important to get like some important jobs done. So everything prepared me for, I mean, going back to the Bronx, everything I learned, my mom having me write, you know, the stuff I learned growing up in the streets to now going to school, doing the first and second deployment and now actually yeah. getting to the point where I'm almost not on my own completely as a source handler, but like somewhat, you know? Yeah. So, Man. Yeah. That is wild. Yeah. So first one you say you've got doing a little bit, kind yeah. of kind of putting the putting the toe in the water yeah, type yeah, thing, yeah. figuring it out, taking from the classroom, applying it to mm-hmm. a real world situation. Second one, doing a little more yeah, of that. Yeah. And third one, going to the country X yeah, and yeah. being able to do it at that level. Yeah. Were you taking notes over there for, for this? Uh, same thing and that from country X? From the whole time. Yeah. The whole time. So from 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 the, my, my second deployment two thousand ten on when the idea came to me, that's yeah. when I was like pop, topping up. But, but it was just, it was like little things. Like it, it wasn't always, it, 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 the majority of it wasn't operational stuff. Yeah. It was more character stuff. Yeah. Here's who this character yeah. is. Perfect. Here's where this character can go, you know, and, and, and here are these other characters mm-hmm. and uh, here's this character's backstory. So it was a, it was more so backstory for the character than it was, Oh, here's the source I met right. and I'm going to take this, this information from the source I met and the meeting we had and put it into a book. It was more yeah. so backstory for the character, but oh, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I was yeah from 2010 on is when I, when I started taking those notes. Yeah. Man. So after that first deployment, did you come back and did you go to another level of uh, of schooling as far as human? Uh, no, I stayed at le- I stayed at level two. Oh, I, no, I went to T- I went to TSO. I went to TSO. So you got to, which was that yeah. more fun? Oh yeah, TSO was <laughs> TSO was was awesome. Yeah, man. up in Hollywood, like you know, plain clothes, drive speeding around the suburbans, nice. tracking people, and you know, placing bugs on the people called breaking uh-huh. into houses and putting bugs in houses, and then that's the deal. Kind of, it was it was awesome, man. It was awesome. Does anyone ever go to TSO first and then level no, two? You no, always, yeah, always. Yeah, you, well, you, I, I know you got to earn your way in with the writing and then uh, and then do the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, and I heard that they've changed it now, where there's not even the guys are not even going to ASO anymore, oh, really? from what I heard. But yeah, you got to go to uh, ASO and after ASO, it was TSO. And then, you know, you could do, you can either go to level two, you can either go to level three after you finish level two. And then, then there's TSO. And then there's a bunch of other, other ones. Yeah. Other, other courses that I went to that was super, super fun. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. You did go to those other ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I did one out in New Mexico. Can't mention the name, but it was, it was a fun one. And then went to the, there was like this, uh, Sear one, mm-hmm. which was like, it was an advanced Sear one. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the, uh, three letter agency guys go to that was up in, uh, 
Washington yeah, State. You did that was, one too? Yeah, that was fun too, man. So dang. Yeah, man, it was cool. So you got the full on like like some guys even went to the farm. Some guys yeah, get, like, I didn't, go I didn't to that level. But uh, but you got to go yeah. up to that almost right to that that stage. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I went to the NSA NS interagency. I was out there for two months or oh, a month or mm-hmm. something like that in, in DC. Yeah. So that was part of it. But yeah, that was part, actually part of TSO. Yeah. Like I think like a month of it okay. or two months of it was out there. And then you come back to San Diego for like a couple of days and then you're up in Hollywood yeah. doing a big FTX. That's pretty cool. So for those yeah. listening, that's a pretty solid foundation yeah, when it comes to yeah. the human side yeah, of yeah. the house. Yeah, yeah, That's pretty, pretty unique. I yeah. mean, some guys did it, but not, uh, when you think of seals in general, yeah. it's not like something that everybody does. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. man, that is wild. What from those first couple deployments or even the, the third one, like stand out to you, do you think back on not, not yeah. even just when you're writing, but life in general as, uh, as takeaways or impactful moments. Oh man, there's so many. I got just to pinpoint one. Um, mm. Dang, I'm trying to think of what pops in my head. Like, is there something you think about kind of more often than not, like uh, a friend or a, or a, or a op or uh, something you learned that, that you think about more often than you know, just other? The one thing that I, that always comes to mind is brothers that, that we lost, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, uh, and you know, Charlie Keating, Pat, I'll never forget when I was, and, and you know what? Yeah, because I'll, every time there's, every time I look at my kids, I'm reminded of Pat Freaks, Charlie Keating. You know, and 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 specifically because they never had a chance to have kids, and I'll never forget when we were when I was on in the talk, and I got the word that Pat Freaks got killed, and, and that, I mean that that shattered our that shattered our entire team. Helicopter got shot down, and and it, it, I mean it crushed me. And that was that was uh, 2012, I believe. That was 2012. We were downrange. And, you know, we found out that helicopter got shot down. A few team guys, two team guys were on it, Pat Feeks and, um, dude, what's the other guy's name? Um, it's my sister platoon. Ah, his name will lose me. I'm going to feel bad after this. But um, um, got the word the helicopter and a whole air crew got, you know, was killed as well. And, uh, yeah, I never remember. I'll never forget our whole, the whole rest of the team was in the talk and we were just like, you know, staring at each other like freaking, you know, pissed, you know, pissed, hurt. Um, and then, you know, extortion 17 that happened the year prior. And it's just like, dang, what's, what's the deal with, you know, operators and helicopters. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously we know what happened with a uh, uh, um, loan to virus situation when a helicopter got shot down. So I'll never forget that moment, you know, and, um, and, and that impacts me today to this day as a father because I'll never forget I said to myself inwardly man they never you know of of the many things they lost but the first thing that came to mind is man they never had the chance to have a family and grow old and just you know it's like everything stopped there and we get that we all get that when we sign up to do the job and I know that might be a weird thing to come to mind but that's that's the one thing that I always think about when I especially when I see my kids when my kids wake up in the morning and I have four kids now. And it's just like, wow, like I have four kids. Like Charlie didn't, never had a chance to experience having a family. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Pat. Same thing with so many other guys that we know. And it makes me want to be a better father. Uh, it makes me want to be a better person. It makes me want to live life to the fullest. And, and, and put 110% into everything that I do as a writer, as a storyteller, as a director. Because, you know, they didn't get, they, I mean, they, 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 
got a chance to do that yeah. and they paid the ultimate sacrifice they gave them made the ultimate sacrifice but it stopped for them and so that's the thing that impacts that i always come back to um is that moment in the talk when i when we found out that you know uh, pat got killed and you know obviously we have so many other guys that i know that that's passed away but i would say you know because because i deployed with with, with because i went to buds with pat and I went to buds with Charlie Keating and we were super close in class and uh, and, you know, we were in the same platoon. We did. A, you did a platoon together and all. And, 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 and so it hit closer to home um, for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Man. Yeah. What you guys do as a platoon or task unit? After that, you take a knee and then yeah. one, one second, take a knee and get yeah. back up and keep going on with yeah. the mission. Or what was that? What did yeah, you guys do in the like, aftermath? Yeah, it was, you know, took a knee, you know, prayed and, uh, um, you know, got our bearings at the same time. If my memory serves me right, the Arab Spring was had happened as well. So Benghazi, I want to say Pat died in August, and Benghazi happened in September. So there was a lot of stuff going on between that time, anyway, uh, as as well. So it was like, hey, we're still in country. We still got a job to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, and 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 you know, so let's 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 get our bearings. Yeah. We had you know we had our our, our moment to mourn, but our boys wouldn't want us, you know, stumbling over ourselves or sitting down, not doing the job just because they, just because they passed on. They're warriors, and and every warrior wants their teammates to continue charging forward towards the enemy and getting the job done. So, um, man. yeah, man, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man. And so you came back from that one. And at what point did you find out that you're going to go to, to Country X and work with this special mission unit over there? Yeah, so I uh, I got back. I, st- I was in my in my platoon, and we were just doing, you know, did pro dev. Do you know where you're going? Or they, and, and it just changes? Or do you suspect where you're going? Or are they kind of well, like I was gonna go to Af- up in the air right now? I was going to go to Afghanistan. Okay. So I was going to go to Afghanistan. And so um, um, with, my, with my platoon at the time, mm. there were these specific teams at platoons at every team and the entire platoon were made up of humid guys and uh, they were doing stuff. They were doing like some cool stuff along borders, <laughs> you know, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. And so um, when, when I got back, when we got back from deployment, um, I was doing, um, I was doing work up with Delta platoon, getting ready to go to Afghanistan, but uh, doing work up to go to Afghanistan. And then like, I want to say, first week of workup, I got called into the CEO's office and the CMC and the XO's office um, because they were like, hey, we're doing, we're going to do this. We're going to do this cool. specific team thing. Like nice. the, we had the team three had that same team the year, the okay. year for the cycle prior. And so they were like, hey, we're going to do it again. And we know you're a human guy. And we know you enjoy doing it. Um, uh, would you be, would you be open to it? And I was like, yeah, dude, like I'm totally in, you know what I mean? Because those guys were like, man, we, those teams they would carry MP7s and they had all they had all like top notch kid and then you know I was hearing the stories and stuff that they were doing I was just like like I want like I want to do that that uh, and so um, I got pulled I was still part of Team Three but all of the guys from Team Three got pulled and and sent over to SA it was called SA One at the time I know they changed the name to SRT One. And so we were still part of team three, but we had to do a, a, a dual workup. So mm. part of the workup was the typical workup, land warfare, you know, CQC, all that stuff. Mm. But then another part of the workup was this, you know, specialized intelligence type course. And that's when I went to that advanced year and nice. went to some of these other courses that I can't really discuss. And, uh, and right when, 
we were going, we, we knew where we, we weren't going to go to country X, the mm-hmm. specific country. We were going to go somewhere else mm-hmm. and uh, along a specific border and do something like really, really cool. And long story short, um, the country we were going to be operating out of this is what, after we finished our workup, it got shut down. Mm-hmm. So essentially okay. like, yeah, like we couldn't go into that particular country anymore, that base of operations okay. anymore, um, uh, for various political reasons, and uh, and so our, we didn't get disbanded, but we got sent back to our our original platoon. So yeah. I got sent back to Delta platoon, and other guys got sent back to Alpha, whatever platoon that they were at at Team Three, and so it was like, all right, going to go to Afghanistan now, but then this this. Operation yeah. X, whatever right, we're yeah, calling yeah. it, popped up, and because we nice. had, because I had, and it wasn't, um, it wasn't going to be an all human team. It was going to be an actual platoon. Okay, um, but they needed guys with because of the type of stuff we were going to be doing with yeah. the ambush and the, you know kind of stuff we talked about offline. Um, we needed that actual like platoon, but then have some human guys in that platoon nice. that's going to do the source handling stuff. And so, um, um, that popped up and it was like, Hey, we're going to move you from, 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 from Delta to alpha. And you guys are going to go do this with this, you know, unit. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, and I was like, yeah, you know what I mean? And so that's kind of nice. how it all came about. Like, okay. uh, yeah. And, uh, it was fun, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's a really yeah. great experience to, yeah, to yeah. have over there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you came back from that. And then what did you, when you came back and when did you start getting this, yeah. this Hollywood bug? And when yeah, did the, yeah. how does that, uh, how does that first movie part come? And what's, what's yeah. the, what's the path after this yeah, uh, third so deployment? I, so I came back and then, um, you know, did some shore duty and, uh, um, where did have, you go for shore duty? Shore duty? I think we talked about I, uh, it before. What's the motivators? Why? Well, okay. And the names have changed a million times. Yeah. But like a dive motivator or something motivator, like that. You know, running athletes through buds, mini buds, and okay. doing all that kind of marketing jazz stuff. Okay. And uh, um, and then my sec, my first son was born. Uh, and then my second son was born, and uh, and uh, at that point I was just like, ah oh, man, like I knew that after shore duty I was going to have to go back to a platoon, and so at that point I was just like, you know what, man, I'm gonna just pop smoke. I'm going to get out. Okay. Like I wanted to stay in and do 20, but at that point I was like, I'm a, I'm a, and I, I was doing school at the same time as well. Okay. So I, you know, I had gotten my bachelor's and then I jumped into a master's program. Um, and my wife's brother is a YPO guy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah. We talked yeah, about this yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, he was getting me consulting jobs with his millionaire and billionaire brothers, you know, to do business consulting. And so because of that, I was like, man, let me go get my master's so that that way I'm not just speaking from a from the perspective of a operator, I yeah. can add the the right. theory and all the business stuff along mm-hmm. with it as well. So I'm in school getting my master's in organizational strategy. And uh, that was January, 2016. Um, sorry, May, May of 2016. I'm writing papers and that's when the phone rings. Hey, you want to work on Transformers movie? Now, who called you? And I was, uh, that was a woman. I can't recall her name, but she worked with Michael Bay. How did they get her, your number? Did someone pass it? Another someone- team guy. Yeah, Kev, you know you know a guy named by the name of Kevin Kent. Of course, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, I just yeah. saw him uh, May fifth because it was I I, re, yeah. I remember because it was Cinco de Mayo and yeah, our okay, other buddy yeah, yeah. Uh, from the uh, well I've known for forever, but it was yeah. also my senior chief, my uh, my my troop chief, yeah. and my last platoon or last last uh, task unit. Yeah, he uh, he retired. Yeah. after a long time yeah, yeah, in the teams, and so Kevin was at the retirement ceremony. Okay, we got cool, to go cool, see cool. the new the new compound, yeah, which yeah. was oh, crazy yeah, yeah, was down sick, there. Yeah. So Kevin and I got to hang out for okay. a little bit. 
bit. And for those listening, he's the guy who uh, uh, th- who throws uh, uh, Jack Ryan out of the helicopter yeah, 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 yeah. in the latest uh, Jack Ryan in season three. Yeah, of Jack Ryan. So, yeah. so Kevin's already working in Hollywood at this point. Yeah, so he yeah. passed her your number yeah. and she called you. Yeah, he pa- Yeah, she called me. Shout up out to Kevin Cash. Yeah, yeah, yeah Kevin, Kevin. Kett, man, he's a good dude. He's, he's my first dude. platoon. He came down. Gosh. Uh, we jumped into Fort Lewis, yeah, first yeah. platoon, and I might, Kevin, forgive me if I get this wrong, but yeah. night, combat equipment, yeah. jump, and coming down, and I think, you know, you're just coming down in static line. Yeah. For those listening, you don't can't really control those too well. Yeah. And uh, he, he landed partially in, like, a very large hole with one of his legs oh, as yikes. he's continuing to go a certain way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, snap. Oh, um, my God. Yeah, so that was interesting. I can relate to that because I broke my ankle on my second static line. Oh, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, brutal. Yeah. So you had to go back through it again? You had to heal I know. Up? I did my next two jumps the next day, oh, okay. and then I went to the hospital. So I didn't want to. I didn't, and I didn't I want to go back and do scratch. that again. Yeah, I didn't want to start from scratch, man. So um, Dang. I can relate. Man. That's wild. Well, so, Kevin passes this lady yeah. your uh, your number, and yeah. she calls you out of the blue, and yeah. you're kind of like, what? Yeah, she hits me up, and I'm at my my desk writing papers, and uh, and she's like, hey, you want to work on Transformers tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, sure. She's like, send me some pictures. I send her some pictures. She's like, all right, uh, Bay said you're in. So oh, like, is this when you're working out? And you have to do the is, is this your topless shot do you no, have to say no, you don't no, have to show her that you're in shape no 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 she wanted <laughs> she, uh, she wanted kit she oh wanted she wanted kit like, like okay i knew there was yeah, something she wanted i forget exactly yeah. what it was yeah it was it was kit and so uh so yeah so that you know one day turned into three weeks three weeks turned into six months and that's when six months on transformers on transformers yeah started in may uh, the end of May, and we wrapped in December in San Diego. No so way. Did you put in for leave, or were you already like kind of in a place? I was in school. You, so, so I you were I, just I fully working. at school. Yeah, I was out. I was out of the oh, Navy. I was out of the Navy at this point, and I was in gotcha. school just getting, you know, using the post 9-11 GI Bill. Oh. So I was, you know, so I had that. I had like a good cushion of savings, and then I had like some odd, you know, consulting jobs that I was doing yeah. with my brother-in-law here and there that helped pay the bills. So between that, I was like, I was free and clear. Nice. And uh, uh, interestingly, I had um, started, here's a crazy thing, right before I, uh, I got the phone call, I had started applying for GRS. So I went through the whole application process and everything. And CIA um, for people listening. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, um, uh, what? Yeah. So I, I reached out to the guy and I didn't hear back. Like, I think it was like a month, actually a month before I got the phone call. I didn't hear back. And I had been in constant communication with the, I can't, I don't even know what they called a recruiter or whatever he was. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden dropped off the map. And so I figured, okay, maybe I didn't qualify. Maybe I had said something wrong in the interview or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. And so I got the call to work on Transformers. And then fast forward to September of 2016, I was in London and I got an email back from, uh, from a different recruiter. And he was like, Hey, I'm super sorry. I'm just now catching up to your emails. The guy who was handling your, your interview process had quit or had a medical condition and he left. And so I'm now just getting caught up to yours. Are you still interested? And at that point I'm in London working on transformers. And even before I even got to that point is when I, I would say like during the summer is when I was just like, man, I really like being on set, I really like yeah. storytelling, you know, not the acting side of things, but I really like the idea of being able to create and tell a story from the ground up. And I think I, re- I think I want to pursue this more so than I want to pursue the whole business consulting thing. So when I got that email in September, I was just like, uh, you know, thank you so much, but I, I've, I've, I've moved on at this point. Um, and then, you know, like I said, December came and we wrapped. And then after that, you know, I was, 
more opportunities started coming. I did work with Peter Berg on two commercials. It was like a army commercial and an AT&T commercial. Nice. I got to consult and do some stuff on yeah. that. And that was really, really fun. And then just things started progressing from there. And, you know, before I knew it, I wrote the book Transform. And then after I wrote Transformed is when I was like, dude, I want to I want to teach myself screenwriting because I was getting hired by Bay and and, and man, so many other Jakob Verbuggen and all these other directors to consult on projects. And they would send me the scripts to read beforehand. And they, they were even scripts I got from projects that I was like, you know, what, I, I don't have the latitude to work on at this moment. Mm. And I would read some of these scripts. I was just be like, you know, these are not horribly bad, but they could be better. They could be more authentic. And I, if this is if this script has gotten picked up to get made. Right. I believe that I have the confidence to write something on mm-hmm. par, if not better than this. Yeah. And that's why I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to I'm going to teach myself screenwriting. Okay. And so after I wrote transformed, uh, and, and, and got that, you know, through the, through the, through the publisher, got that edited with the publisher. That's when I was just like, all right, I, I, bought the masterclass screenwriting masterclass and I bought um like on from the masterclass yeah. like online yeah, 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 dot yeah. com or whatever yeah, that masterclass online nice. did the Aaron Sorkin class did the um Shonda Rhimes screenwriting class it was a, I think David Mamet had a screenwriting class oh really you just go to like their websites and you signed up for them and yeah. get the stuff just and did the classes yeah no and then use YouTube to you know follow like a bunch of YouTube screenwriting um uh, uh channels and that's where I would learn Learn my screenwriting and awesome. learn how to structure a screenplay and three act structure. Because you know what, a book, you know, we have so much. There's so much freedom in a book. Oh yeah, there's so much freedom in transfer. No rules essentially. Yeah. You can have long, you know, chapters, yep. short chapters. You can. But have, what's anybody's you know, thinking in there? Exactly. Backstory, make it up yeah. on the fly. It can be as long as you want, as yeah. short as you want. Yeah. Total freedom. Yeah. But yeah, screenwriting, more screenwriting. rules. You know, for film, hundred you know, more even rules. now with action, they don't want, want you to write anything more than 110 pages. You know, with comedy, it has to be about 90 pages. And so yeah. I, and that's when I had to, that's where I, I really learned more so how to write. And I, and I took those lessons and I applied them to Chameleon, nice. which was a screenplay. And I wrote The Chameleon. That was the first script that I wrote. And then uh, I loved it. I was happy with it. Uh, but looking back, after I picked it up, like years later, to do rewrites after it got picked up to be a film, that's when I was like, "Oh, this is this is not as good as I thought it was," because <laughs> I had some fresh, I had a fresh lens to look yeah. at it. And so I wrote Chameleon, and I wrote another screenplay called The Last Shall Be First. Um, that almost got picked up by Revelations Entertainment. It, we're in negotiations with Revelation Entertainment, which is Morgan Freeman's company, because okay. it's a true story about the first group of African Americans to serve in soft. So I wrote that screenplay. And then, um, and then um, uh, I got the, the project that got me into the WGA was I got hired to adapt um, Tim is it uh, what's uh, Tim Ballard's book Slave Stealers into a limited series. Huh. So I got hired to so I did that. Wow, adapt that into a limited series. That's what got me into WGA, and I just. I wrote, you know, the unexpected short film, then which is awesome. Everybody should look that up and check it out. Thank you, brother. Is it on, can you find it on YouTube? Where's the best place? Yeah, for yeah, to see yeah. It? It's okay. on YouTube, and uh, um, it, we were supposed to go into production mid July, so we got fully funded. You know, wow. uh, got a full full budget. So, uh, you know, n- nice budget film because it's an action thriller. We cast a major star um, a month ago, nice. um, and we've been in talks with another major star. I can't say his name just yet, um, and. Uh, Back and forth talks for a month, and then finally, like, got to the point where we could submit an offer to him. So we submit, we submitted my my the producer submitted an offer to him. Dang, um, nice today, actually, fantastic. And uh, and you know, so things are moving forward with that, we're crewing up on that. So so that short film is now going to be a feature film. Wow. And and so I wrote that screenplay as well. But backing up to Chameleon, um, um, 
in 2020, I want to say, uh, my, uh, my agent, recommended that I do rewrites on the script and that's when I read it and I was like uh, this could be a lot better mm-hmm. and so I did rewrites on the screenplay and then he took it out to a different different production companies because he wanted to attach it kind of like what you guys did with Terminal List you got mm-hmm. you know Antoine Fuqua on board as a producer and you got Chris Pratt on as a producer and then you guys went to package mm-hmm. it and went to a studio and so uh well, my agent wanted me to package it, wanted to package it with a big producer. So we went to three big production companies. We went to a lot of different production companies. Three of them wanted to pick it up. We went with uh, we went with a really big one. I can't mention their name. I did an option with them. And I went through a year rewrites on The Chameleon. And uh, after the year rewrites, we started looking to attach directors and attach talent. And it was at that time where a buddy of mine, Taylor Moore, I'm not sure if you know him. Yeah, I know who he is, but I haven't, uh, I don't know him. Great but, yeah. dude. Seems, really yeah, great, great dude. Former yeah. agency guy turned author uh, in the thriller space, has a great thriller series called Downrange Out. And uh, he read the script and he was like, dude, he was like, this can be an awesome book series. And I said to my brother, I said, I'm not trying to write another write another book right now. I, you know, I've just finished writing screenplays back to back to back to back. I need a break from writing. And he was like, listen, I think that you should, you should consider this because now you'll have an IP, you know, that, you know, a lot of these studios, they want IP. They don't want, they don't want spec stuff and you could put some money in your pocket, but you could also expand this universe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and so I was like, all right. So he, that's when he introduced me to my agent. Um, we talked about offline and then, uh, my agent read the screenplay and he was like, wow, this could be an awesome book series. And so he's like, want to put a pitch together? And I said, sure. So I, we put a pitch together. And then he took it out to a bunch of different publishers and created a bidding war and, and everybody saw, saw the same thing. It was like, Hey, this could be a longstanding, you know, series kind of like your, like your series. And, uh, um, um, and, William Murrow put up the most money <laughs> uh, for the book franchise and uh, got to, got to writing, did the deal with no, them and got to writing. So and that's, that's unusual of, to have yeah. for fiction to have yeah. uh, like be paid first. Usually yeah. for fiction, you have to have it done first. And yeah, then for yeah, nonfiction, yeah. you can sell an idea, you yeah. can sell a, a outline, a chapter, you yeah. know, that sort of a thing. Um, but uh, so you went about it about it a very unusual way for, yeah, yeah. Uh, for a, for a thriller. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was the script. The script was, you know, from all the notes that I had taken over the years, the script uh, a couple with, you know, and what I wanted to do was my agent wanted me to adapt, take the script and turn that into the book. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to do that. So I like I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to build the world a little bit more. So book one is actually a prequel to the script. Ah, so, that's at cool. the, so at the end of book one, um, is then when the we script get, takes off. Is when we begin to we introduce the, oh, the that's main awesome antagonist. Very cool of book two and some of the characters in book in the screenplay. Um, uh, 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 I'm giving away too much. Uh, some of the main characters die in the beginning of the screenplay, and those characters are, f- are all laid out, kind of like what you did with with with, with Terminal yeah. List, where you know with Ben's Ben's mm-hmm. character, and now you're going. And he you know, obviously yeah. dies at the end of season one, but now you're going back and, and doing mm-hmm. some whatever of a prequel series where we get to kind of see this character and, and how he was developed and how yep. he ended up becoming who he was. That's kind of what I did with the book, you Man. know, in order to really expand the universe a little bit more. Yeah. And so book two is actually the screenplay. It's, it's Man. expanding out the screenplay. Dude, so, uh, that is amazing. Yeah. When did I've, every, all things have turned into like one long day for me yeah, over yeah, the yeah. last few years. Yeah. Did I read this last summer? When did you send yeah, this to I me? Sent, I sent it to you. Uh, what's it seems like, let's see. 
It seems like it must I have can't been even last remember, summer, man. I can't even. To be honest with you, I can't even remember, brother. <laughs> like it was like a long. Uh, as far as your your process to get this yeah. to to publication, yeah, yeah. Um, and when when does it hit shelves? It hits shelves July twenty fifth. July twenty fifth yeah. for Chameleon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it was last, a year ago. I think it was around that time when you sent it to me because then yeah. you came on the podcast and we talked about your whole life oh. and transformed um, right kind of after that. You so know I think it, that was around the no, same time. It was in September. Okay, it was in September of last year. Okay, or was it either September or October. Your short film was coming out because a short film was coming out. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yeah, so yeah. that's a long. That's a that's a. So this has been done for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's been done. Man. Yeah, it's been done. It's been done. Just been trying to find the right release date. Wow. I was trying to we were trying to I was trying to get it released around the time of uh, the uh Fox show, Special Forces Fox when I was on that. Uh, so like back uh January. Uh yeah, January, February time frame, but they were like, hey, summer summer was a better slot. Okay. So um yeah, man, that's 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 when it's dropping July twenty fifth. And, and and it's awesome. I got to I'm so glad I got to read an early uh early edition Thank of you. this and really cool the way you're going about uh about doing this. Thank you. Um but I also want to ask you about your first day on set. Like when you go yeah, up, yeah. what was your first day on set on Transformers like? Is it because yeah. you're, you're haven't done it before yeah so you're going up there yeah. kevin kent tells this lady yeah. give you a call you yeah. take a picture in your kit yeah. and they say hey come on up and they give you a, a location is yeah. it filming in la or where are you filming it was out in like it was some desert way east of la okay so it was in la probably way way east, okay. like some barren desert apparently they shoot like a bunch of movies out there and uh yeah i, I remember getting out i was like i got there early because i was driving up for san diego i didn't want to be late and so i got there maybe like an hour and a half, two hours early of my call time. And it was this parking lot in the middle of this desert. Wow. All it was, was like a parking lot <laughs> in a desert. And, uh, um, like gradually over the next hour, like cars started showing, showing up, trailers Trucks started showing up, uh, trailers started showing up. And before you know it, like this, this abandoned desert became like a, 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 wow. a small little, you know, village, okay. you know, video, video village, as they call it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, got to, got costumed up, got kitted up and, uh, Bay came racing into his car, jumps out the car. Like, All right, we're going to do this. Gonna do this. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. It was just, I just did what I was told. You know, I, I, one thing I had learned is that making a movie, in my opinion, is a lot like being in the military. Yeah. You have your OIC, who's mm-hmm. the director, you have your different departments and all you got to really do is what you're told. And if you yeah. do what you're told, then you're fine. And I think that light went off of my head. Like first day, because I I noticed the same thing first day when I walked on terminal list, I was like, and and because in, especially in an action film, you have an explosives guy. What do we have in the SEAL teams? You got your breacher. Who's your like your explosives guy, Uh, mobility, all moving all the cars around. What do we have in the SEAL teams? You have a mobility guy that's been to all the car schools and his responsibility is getting all that set up and making their gassed up and ready to rock and roll. Armorer, same thing. They got an armorer there on set. Uh, Craft food services. You got people got to feed the troops. You know, I looked at Antoine as being like the commanding officer of the team. And then you have exactly the CEO. And then Chris Pratt, I looked at him as more of the, he's a troop commander yeah, like yeah. tactical level yeah, type yeah, yeah. interaction like yeah. with everybody uh and and so it was very similar yeah. to the way a, a team seal team is set yeah. up that yeah. really stood out to me yeah. as well yeah man yeah. and did you what do you going up there did they send you something first that says like the script or like what you're going to be yeah, doing yeah, or you just like no i didn't even get the script i mean i i got like a call t- i got a call sh- uh, a call sheet i want to say emailed to me for the day and i had my time and had who i was gonna who i had 
had to report into and all of that. And then, yeah, and now that was pretty much it. Thanks. Who's yeah. telling you who's uh, coordinating what you're going to be doing? It's like a stunt coordinator or something saying, you guys are going to be laying down fire over here. You're going to no, get blown was, up over here. What? It was Bay himself. Yeah, it was like Bay was, you know, you know, Bay, Bay does a lot of different jobs, like, you know, on set. You know, he he's, uh, there's different types of directors and different styles of directing. You have the hands-on director that's like wants to get into everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have like the director that just wants to work with the actors and leave all the technical side to uh, to DP, the cinematographer, yeah. and, and and the first AD and those other guys. And then you have the you have the directors that's all about the technical, all about the visuals, and all of that. And 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 they just cast actors who are uh, who who can do their job to a T, right? Okay. And so Bay's the type of director where he's like he's a hands on and everything, yeah. you know. So even like second unit, like from what I recall, he doesn't really. Well, on Transformers, I don't remember him having like a second unit guy doing a lot of second unit stuff. And if he did, like I remember doing one shot with uh, um, with the second unit director, and he was like, he would put his cell phone over the 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 monitor after yeah. the shot was done and text it to Bay to see if Bay would you know approve it or was good with it. And then Bay would be like, oh, thumbs up or thumbs down, do it again. No and way. so he's really really hands on. And, awesome. and so I say that to say when I showed up, it was just like Bay came racing. It was like, all right, you're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do. All this. What was the first thing you had to do? What was the first day? So it was a scene with Josh Dumel and Megatron. So it was a meeting between Josh Duhamel's character who played like, uh, he was like a captain in the army or something like that. And, and the Megatron transformer. And I was the guard. I was on one of the TRF guys. So transformer reaction force guards who were, you know, uh, attached to, uh, Josh Duhamel. So it was nice. me, Josh Duhamel and another team guy, actually, I want to say, I can't remember who the other team guy was, but it was another team guy, uh, um, that was with us. And then they were like a bunch of lawyers, uh, Actor, actors playing lawyers who were nego- trying to negotiate with Josh Dumel and Megatron was funny scene. <laughs> Man, dude, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. Transformers, you end up going up for uh, what ends up turn what turns yeah. into six months. Yeah, yes, yeah. so we started in May, end of May, and wrapped in December. And, yeah, oh, and yeah. you just keep going, driving back and forth from San Diego. No, or? no, no. So the first day was in L.A., and then I was off for like a week, mm-hmm. and then a week later, um, they started shooting in Arizona, and that's when the lady coming back was like, "Hey, Bay would wants to know if you're, you know, you're interested in working uh, in Arizona and Michigan, because you know he liked your work on, the, on that day." I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'm in." So flew out to Arizona for a week. And then uh, did the filming out there and then went to uh, flew from Arizona to Michigan, was in Michigan for two weeks. At the end of that two week period is when um, they bumped me to cast. So when the casting director said, hey, Bay wants to know if you'd be interested in staying on the film and being bumped to cast until until we wrap. And so I was like, sure, why not? So I stayed in Michigan until wow, the, the end of August and then had came home for like a week or two and then flew to London. And was in wow. London for like two or three weeks. In my memory serves. Man, yeah. he's filming those all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was London, and then and then the, went from London to San Diego. It was a long shoot, man. Yeah. It was a long shoot. Well, typically films are not that long. Like the film I'm 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 doing with uh, with the the unexpected redemption film that G Base and Gerard Butler are producing. Um, um, that's a forty five day shoot. Okay. You know, that's yeah. what it, that's what we have scheduled budget and schedule for forty five days. Wow! So I was like, I can't imagine having freaking from May to to December. That's a long shoot, man. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. Especially traveling all over the place like yeah. that. That's, that's awesome, though. Yeah, yeah. That is awesome. And so, what's your next one? So while you're doing this yeah. during this six months, is this where you're like, you know what? 
I'm, I'm going to, I could do this. Yeah. This that's thing. when I was like, yeah, I want to be a storyteller. Like, I don't want to, like my passion was never to be in front of the camera period. Like my passion, as I mentioned earlier, was going to business consulting, but that's when I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to be a storyteller. I want to be a writer, producer, um, director. Um, and, and let's see if it works out. And so every other project to me was my film school. Cause I didn't okay. have the time to go to film school and my post nine, nine chat it was pretty much ran out. So I couldn't, uh. couldn't go to film school. And so, yeah, that's when, when I, I started going full on, full on, Hey, trying to figure this, learn this business yeah. and figure it out. And it's been a pro it's been a hard process. You know what I mean? And it's, 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 there's been a lot of setbacks, a lot of challenges. Um, but you know, everything is, and you know how it is in Hollywood, man. Like you pitch a project and then how long does it take from the day somebody says yes to it hitting the screen? Yeah. Years, man. I remember I was at, I was at dinner with Antoine Fuqua. Um, wow, man, this was like, three, four years um, before Terminalist came out. And I remember he had just told me, or maybe it was Matt, you just optioned it to Chris Pratt. That was like three, four years before the, yeah. before the, uh, January 2018. Yeah. yeah. January 2018. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it takes a lot of patience and, and that was another thing I learned being in the business. But yeah, that's, that's when I was just like, yeah. I want to do this full time. Is that the, been the toughest part for you? Like not, uh, not knowing if something's going to greenlit, having those meetings, hearing people be excited about something and then not hearing back for a while and then hearing back. Yeah, we want to do it or not hearing back ever. Or like yeah. what's been the, the, the toughest part in the beginning. It was tough because, yeah. you know, coming from my background and our background, mm -hmm. and get the it done. Let's go. Like, it's not just that. It's just like when somebody says they're going to do something, they do it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I had, I learned really quickly in the business that, when somebody says they're going to do it, chances are you got to divide that by two. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you know, okay. sometimes you got to divide it by 10. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, um, um, you know, after I learned that the business is a lot of waiting, a lot of people not keeping their word, a lot of backstabbing, just a mm. lot of, you know, craziness, that's when I, I didn't get as disappointed because mm. I learned, okay, this is what the business is. I just have to learn how to navigate around it and, and, just create good content. At the end of the day, I mean, we talked about this off, offline, but great content always rises to the top. I mean, Terminal List from the beginning was not just great content, great story, great characters. So at some point, it was going to rise to the top and become what it has become now. And so, you know, in learning that, that's why I was like, so like as long as I create great content, at some point, it's going to rise to the top. And I can get a hundred no's. I could get, have a lot of people, I have a hundred people tell me, hey, I'm going to do this. And then they don't do it. But at some point, if the content is great, it's going to rise to the top. And that, and that case in point, that was what happened with Transform. You know, initially, you know, why I met with Antoine back then was because Antoine was going to, you know, wasn't, we were talking about him picking up the rights to Transform. And uh, it didn't work out, um, not for any negative reason. Just didn't it just didn't work out, and um, and so. But fast forward, now the project finally did get picked up, and real money has been put up. Not an option of full on purchase for the project, and the film is is going to go into production hopefully sometime after the writer strike. But at the end of the day, why is that happening? Because great content at some point is going to rise great story great characters at some point is going to rise to the top and that's what hollywood is, is looking for they're looking for those unique great cool authentic stories yeah. and if they have them whether it's via book whether it's via screenplay or even a podcast now because now podcasts are getting yeah. an option and turning ip wild film and tv shows which is crazy in and of itself you know then that will it'll it'll become what it needs to yeah. become
Oh man. Yeah. yeah my, my experience is uh, yeah. a little different in that. I think I was insulated from a lot of that yeah. um, just because uh, of Chris and Antoine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so when people would ask me, yeah. I, so many people in Hollywood would tell me, Hey, the odds of this happening, you yeah. know, or, or, you know, they manage, manage my expectations. Yeah. And I was always like, Oh, you know, okay. But in my head, I'm always like, Oh, it's happening. Cause yeah. Chris and Antoine yeah. said it was, we're going to do this. Yeah. So, and it did. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but I can see, but I heard so many other stories yeah, of, of uh, it not happening yeah. for other people. Like, yeah that sort of thing we were told by studios or whatever, yep. you know, Hey, it was going to happen. This is great. Let's do it. And then nothing. Um, but for me, I think it's just having Chris and Antoine. Right. Team. Um, yeah. yeah. And another thing and the only two people I wanted to have it the beginning yeah. from the very yeah. beginning from when yeah. I was writing it, yeah. uh, and was still in the seal teams in December of 2014, putting yeah. pen to paper on that first uh, sentence. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, well, I've written a sentence. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Chris Pratt should star in this yeah, and Antoine yeah, yeah. should direct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like those are the two people that I wanted. I yeah. wanted Antoine to direct. I wanted Chris to star. Yeah, Boom. Yeah. And, and, uh, and it, yeah, crazy. That's awesome. And you know, on that, you know, on that note too, as far as like getting stuff made and, and one another thing I learned is almost like in the SEAL teams, it's like the more, more job, more specializations you have, more, you know, jobs you mm. have. If, you, if you're, if you're a corpsman, chances are you're going to go on mm. almost every job. If you're a corpsman, sniper, and breacher, yeah. you know, chances right. are you're definitely going on absolutely every op. The more specializations mm -hmm. you add to your resume, the better. And it's kind of like that in the in, in Hollywood. You know, if you're an author, that 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 because IP studios are looking for mm -hmm. IP because it's already there's already a built-in audience. They can all mm -hmm. they can kind of calculate, okay, we're gonna at least get this number of people that are gonna watch this film or watch this movie, and we're not gonna lose too much money. That's 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 one job that's mm -hmm. one wicket you've already checked off the box. Mm -hmm. And then you add, you know, you could write, you know, in the, you could work in a writer's room. That helps too, you know, and then, you know, do a podcast that helps that we yeah. could promote via your podcast, your podcast, produce. It, produce, it, it, just, it just adds to it. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's, that's one thing I try to tell filmmakers or people trying to get into the businesses, you know, it's, it's the more wickets you can add to your resume, yeah. the better, you know what I mean? And Actor. Actor, 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 writer, producer, writer, producer director. You got. You're doing yeah. all those, all those things. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, now you're not gonna have to. And I, I learned that with Chameleon. You know, just after you know, because after I went through the rewrite with this massive, I mean, this massive mega producer. He's mm -hmm. produced the majority of the movies he's produced. The budgets are start at a hundred million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, even after I went through the rewrites, you know, it, the next step was getting a director attached, and it was like. Oh, this director is not available. Oh, this director would be great, and I've worked with him before, That's but the other he, thing, yeah. he's locked up for the next three right. years on another project or this. And it was always scheduling, and and you know, thank God in that time um, um, is when I'm, it, Taylor Moore was like, "Hey, let's do this as a book," mm -hmm. because that kind of allowed me to take a step back from trying to get the movie made. The option expired with this producer, so all of the right the rights reverted back to me, and now I can teach myself how to direct and mm. teach myself how to become a better screenwriter and teach myself how to expand a universe in a book. So I have a better template. So now when I, I try to pitch it as a film later, not only do I have a more polished script because the producer gave me great notes, but I also have a book IP. I also know how to direct. Mm. And so now, you know, my agents and team as we're packaging it, we're now able to package it with, a director. Yeah. You don't have to be like, oh, well, let's try and find a director, right. you know, to attach to this project who's passionate about this project. Yeah. And so, you know, the more wickets that people can add to their resume, you know, yeah. the better, you know.
as you might be same thing. Yeah. Director could be tied up and your actor yeah. could be like, yeah. you might want to really want to do it, yeah. but you know what? I got this commitment and this commitment. And yeah. if it's like a list talent, yeah. guess what? They're booked up. Yeah. Quite, uh, For years. Yeah. So it's, uh, so it's, it's really interesting how all those pieces have to come yeah. together. Yeah. And like we couldn't, there's a character in, in my books, Rafe Hastings, who yeah. is like a fan favorite character. Yeah. And uh, we couldn't get somebody um, couldn't get the right person for the, the, and he's just at the very, in the book, he's at the end uh, yeah, of the book, but, uh, but a very important character there and moving forward, yeah. but we turned it into just a note. Uh, so in the show, it's a note that he gets Got on that it. boat at yeah, the yeah, end. Okay, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, so we turned that character into a note, but in the script and the outlines, it was a character that was going to physically meet Got them. It. Uh, but we couldn't, we knew that it was such an important character, yeah. uh, but we didn't know if we were going to have a second season, third, like that sort of a thing yet. So yeah. you couldn't pull in yeah, the right person. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so it's, so it's interesting how all those things kind of have to go together. It's a, it's a really cool, yeah. cool process and it's cool doing both yeah. because this one person right here, you yeah. know, that's you. Yeah. Uh, and for me, same thing. It's yeah. uh, just me, but screenwriting yeah. and all of that rest of that, that's a team effort. Yeah, 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 and yeah. you're doing all the things you have to do in any team yeah, yeah. Uh, to build something, to create a product, yeah. whatever that product might be. Yeah. Uh, so, and there's the, the leadership side of it. There's a the political capital side yeah, of it. Yeah. There's all these things you can't control. Yeah. And then there's things that you can, and yeah. you have to all come together to create yeah. the best product you possibly can as Absolutely. a team. So really different. And there's the rules like you talked about yeah. in screenwriting. Yep. There are things and your budgets and there's, yeah. and there's page counts because yeah. you can't just go forever. Yeah, yeah. You have a certain number of episodes. <laughs> yeah. You have a time limit. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't exist in the, in the novels. Like this last one, yeah. it just kept going and going. So I added about two months probably to my writing process just because wow. it's all about the story. And I don't get to a hundred thousand words and then be like, Oh, time to wrap this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. You know, it kept going and yeah. I blasted right by a hundred thousand, 120,000. It was a hundred. It was uh, crept up on 139,000 words. That's a good number too. And but that's what people want too. You know, they, cause it's all about because the story. It's all about the story. Yeah. What did Robert Ebert say? He say, he said that no, uh, good movie is long enough and no bad movie is short enough. Interesting. Yeah. You that's know, you, interesting. You know, so it's like, it's all about, you know, the story. Yeah. And got the story, the story. You to 139 words. That's how it goes. And, and you know, and readers, readers are smart, you know, readers, whether they're, uh, it's a producer reading a screenplay mm -hmm. to decide as to whether he or she's going to jump on board or whether it's a, it's, it's an audience, you know, fans reading a book, mm -hmm. you know, they, they know they can sense when the story gets capped early mm -hmm. for the sake of, Oh, yeah. you know, the publisher wanted an 80 to 90,000 word count yep. because their statistics show that people don't, you know, like reading past 80 to 90,000 readers are smart enough yeah. to realize. Yeah. That. You see it in Amazon reviews and yeah. that, uh, but yeah, I've never, there's no constraints, which is great. I love having a hundred percent complete creative control yeah. with the novels. It can be as long as I, what, what, it's for me, it's all about that yeah. story. It's not like, Oh, what's going to work for this audience or yeah, yeah. do I have to worry about alienating an audience yeah, over here? Yeah, yeah. None of that. I never waste bandwidth on that at all of that. My time, energy and effort, all my heart and soul goes into every word to honor that story and make it the best story it can possibly be That's with no other considerations, yeah. um, which is, which I love. That's what it's about. And then screenwriting side of the house. Once again, team yeah. effort, yeah. there's all sorts of things happening. Navy federal credit union. Navy Federal Credit Union is here to help military members and their families tackle home ownership during this high rate market. With their new no refi rate drop option, if you buy your next home now and mortgage rates drop later, you could lower your rate by paying a low fee instead of refinancing and paying thousands in closing costs. They offer mortgage options with zero down payment. 
so you don't need to wait years to save. Also, planning any travel this summer? Navy Federal Flagship Credit Card treats members to our highest rewards and premium benefits. Flagship makes it easy to rack up rewards with higher points on travel, including everything from tolls to terminals. Earn a bonus 40,000 points when you spend 4,000 in the first 90 days. Plus, enjoy a free year of Amazon Prime. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Federally insured by NCUA, membership required, equal housing lender. Terms and conditions apply, loans subject to approval and eligibility requirements. Open to the armed forces, the DOD, veterans, and their families. As of 5-1-2023, the rates for flagship are 14.74% to 18% based on credit worthiness. ATM fees for cash advances are up to $1 at non-Navy Federal ATMs, a $49 annual fee for Visa Signature Flagship Rewards. NavyFederal.org. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You know, because we we talk about you know political capital and 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 growing that, and now you have more freedom with Terminalist season two and the spinoff and all that because of the success of season one. Did you find in the beginning with the with the first book? Did you find where there what there were restrictions there or there were limits put on you um, in the sense that hey the word count has to be 80 to 90,000 words or, and then as the success came, the TV show came, which helped with book sales and all that stuff. Then you had more where no, now you could do 139. Yeah. Not on the writing side of the house, not on the publishing side. Got I it. always had a hundred percent complete so, creative control the whole time. Yeah. Uh, my publisher, editor, Emily Bessler at Emily Bessler books, yeah. uh, which is an imprint of Atria Simon and Schuster. Yeah. 100% complete creative control from the beginning. Awesome. Like her notes to me are more along the lines of, uh, hey, explain this uh, weapon system for someone yeah, who doesn't yeah. know what an XG95 is or whatever, yeah, you know, yeah. who wasn't in the military. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just made those up for anyone who's going <laughs> to double, who don't yeah. need, don't need to check because it doesn't <laughs> exist. But uh, like explain this thing for someone who doesn't just yeah. know what this is. Yeah, like yeah. it's a, and uh, hey, explain this a little more for someone who hasn't read the previous five yeah, books. Yeah. Um, like those are the type of notes that I get from my, from my editor but never you might want to change this or can you shorten this or can you lengthen this or this is what we're seeing works can you do that zero Got zero it. it's yeah. not none of that it's a consideration for my from my agent from my publisher from anyone now from book protect, one from book one that's awesome the whole time that's awesome the whole time that's awesome um and then on the screenwriting side of the house i got so lucky that antoine yeah. and chris wanted me involved in all of it yeah. and then that they picked this amazing showrunner david degilio he's awesome who also wanted to mentor me along and uh and he wanted that authenticity yeah. piece in it and recognizing how important that was going to be to the story yeah. so essentially i was mentored along through this whole process from uh well option then showrunner yeah. and then putting the writer's room together yeah, well first yeah, yeah. writing the the that pilot episode which really david agilio wrote and i just advised on and yeah. learned from i was a sponge on yeah. that and then he took that with chris and antoine took yeah. that out got it to amazon picked it up now the writer's room and so they hire those writers yeah. and so i got to see that process and then see how the writers what they bring to it from their personal experience yeah, and yeah. background and how they adapt it and uh, i always knew there's going to be changes so i went into it knowing they're yeah, going to be changes yeah, yeah. knowing that uh first blood the book written yeah. by david morell in yeah. 1972 very different than the Sylvester yeah, Stallone yeah, movie yeah, yeah. Uh, but both 
fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And so I always went into it knowing and just thrilled that someone wanted to make this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and me wanting to learn, me wanting to uh, being a, a student and yeah, wanting to learn sports, this. Yeah. And so I got extremely lucky to be involved in every step of that process, which that's was awesome. really cool. That's so awesome. and now that's paying off because then you add value. Yeah, yeah, and just like yeah. in any industry, people talk and uh, it's opened other doors. Yeah. Uh, because people say, hey, you know, this guy, he really yeah. added this there. He's not just a name up there, yeah, an executive yeah, yeah, producer. Yeah, yeah. He did this, this, and this. Yeah, and yeah. just people here in Hollywood, yeah. just like they would in the business world, finance, yeah. whatever it is, um, they, they hear about you and then yeah. things, doors open yeah. and yeah. goes, you gotta go from there. So there's a bunch of projects on the horizon that, uh, awesome. that wouldn't have uh, been opened to me, wouldn't been available to me had David Agilio and Chris yeah. and Antoine not brought me into this process and made me a part of this team from, from the get go. So awesome. I feel extremely, extremely fortunate, but it's, but it's a slim, you know, experience. Yeah, That's yeah, just yeah. one show yeah. and you've had all these yeah, shows yeah. now. So what did Transformers lead to? I wanted to, you've been yeah. at a bunch of things. Now. Yeah, man. So, uh, 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 Transformers led to, uh, just some commercial work. And then from there led to, um, I worked on six underground with Bay. I, I didn't do any acting on it. That was all consulting. Okay. Um, and then, um, six underground, man, I, worked on SEAL team um, that was kind of how I when I met Antoine around that time when I worked on did some work on SEAL team C, uh, with CBS now it's mm -hmm. Paramount Plus and then from there jumped to uh, uh, man Ambulance to Ambulance with Bay and uh, did uh, what else what else there's so much floating in my head did uh, a plane movie yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Did, that was a fun one to work on That's and that was when I met um, that was when I met Gerard Butler and mm -hmm. G Base, and kind of we built our relationship, and 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 from there they signed on to produce um, Unexpected Redemption. Like so, these are big films. Yeah, like yeah, this is not yeah, some yeah. like you're just you know trying to get something off the ground. Yeah, I mean yeah. these are huge actors, huge yeah, directors, yeah, huge films, yeah. gigantic budgets. Yeah, big um, budgets yeah. I mean that's that's insane. The, all yeah. these experiences yeah. that you've had are, yeah. are pretty incredible. Yeah, man. And like I said, it's, it was my it's been my film school. Yeah, it's been my film school. You learn everything about how to build relationships, when to talk, when to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, uh, you know everything in between that that that's integral to making a film, to telling a really good story at a high level. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's the blessing in all of this. You know, my first project was like a hundred what hundred freaking 20 million dollar film so a lot of the projects that i've worked on have all been you know aside from the projects that i've done i've produced and directed the short films and and and, and uh, other stuff that i've done on the writing side they've all been like really big budget films all that i've been able to learn at a really really high level and you know bay has really took me on this wing started taking me on this wing and on um six underground and you know just saying, hey remy how would you shoot the scene like what what do you think action wise we should do here nice and that's when the, the growth as a filmmaker started when to kind of not started but that's when it, it went up exponentially was when nice. I got the opportunity to kind of be like oh I would shift this person over here I would do this I have mm -hmm. this guy move this gun kind of like this like cool let's do it nice <laughs> you know so uh, and then working on Terminalist was awesome yeah. you know it was it was such fun you know shooting up in the desert mountains yeah. of Calabasas <laughs> and uh and you know seeing work I can't I can't remember the director's name or I worked with one but he was a really really good dude and just all the other guys you know yeah. and a lot I mean I like how you guys were intentional about casting veterans you know um whether it was acting actors who were had prior service or guys who uh, 
guys who never acted but you know yeah. have a passion for it and that added to that authenticity so it was cool to get back into it with some of the guys the FBI yeah. guy t- team yeah. that I was a part of that were all Nate you know yeah. was awesome Nate as well. yeah, yeah he was, he's a great dude he's a director as well he directed a project yeah. at MVP yeah came out this last year yeah, yeah yeah so it's and it's cool to meet other veterans who are crushing it in the film and TV business mm-hmm. and in in the book world and then you know giving a helping hand, you know, like you've yeah. been a tremendous blessing to me and you yeah. can, you know, you being, you, you, you being at the top, you know, you got yeah. the guys in our community who are at the top, like you're at the top uh, as it relates to being an author and, and, you know, representing the community, Jocko podcasting, Sean Ryan podcasting, you know, all these different guys, you know, there's so many guys we know in business and you're at the top and, and even that being at the top, you've always been a tremendous blessing to me, oh, allow me to be a part of terminal list, <laughs> writing man. a blurb for the book, just, you know, man, right there, man, yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant it. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's uh yeah, on target scores a direct hit. Yeah, Bam, yeah, like yeah, it, man. So but yeah, that uh, it was really cool in the terminal. It was like a like a reunion, yeah. especially that first episode yeah. uh, where it was a bunch of bunch of team guys playing yeah. team guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we had Patrick Schwarzenegger in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I think him and Chris were the only two guys that weren't prior military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we had we had a, a marine in there, a bunch of seals, yeah. uh, and so that was really cool, like a reunion. Yeah, Justin Garza, yeah. AJ, yeah, yeah. We had all these guys in there, yeah, AJ, yeah. and a lot of those guys. I hadn't seen in years yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we had a blast working together on it. So yeah. that was important to, yeah. for us to, to bring as many veterans as we could in. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the practical side of the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to worry about yeah. uh, them like sweeping each yeah, other, you exactly, know, and like exactly. catching it. Oh, we had this perfect scene, but yeah, so-and-so yeah. this actor has his gun pointed at his buddy's head. Yeah, like yeah, what's yeah. going on over there? Yeah. Like we didn't have to worry about that stuff because they're yeah. going to move in a way that just flows and is natural. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to pick up these positions without even having to be told yeah. what to do they're yeah. gonna naturally go into a room and do their thing yeah, um, so well. that was uh so that was really cool that was yeah. a blast and then we had max adams former army ranger who's writing oh. on it oh, and yeah. now he's an executive producer on this one as oh, that's well awesome. Awesome. and uh jared shaw also executive producer yeah, on this yeah, next yeah. one writing on this next one awesome. um then he acted as boozer in the series yeah, so yeah, he crushed um it. yeah are you in a right are you a did you get uh writing mm-hmm. like as far as like a wga like did, did i think after this one i get like you said you had to do a couple things before you got in so i think it's after this one i should I think because it's I'm writing the uh, the finale to both uh, this one and uh, and True Believer. That's awesome, so man. Enough, yeah. That's awesome. So and those WGA, I'll tell you what, man. Those WGA benefits that are huge. You oh, know? yeah. And then I, I've heard, you know, it's like even with the retirement. Yeah. Like you can get a. I think it's like three points bets you. You know. Oh, you know? So if you. A certain amount of work. so that's that's all huge, you know. Um, and uh, it's it's cool. Be it's like being in WGA is almost like being. I don't want to equate it to being in the SEAL team, but it's like being in this community because here in the teams you have like, you know, only a, a select a few people who can get into the teams mm. and do the job. But then you also have only a select a few people that can get into the WGA. Yeah. You know, it's easier to get from what I heard the statistics. It's like, it's easier to get drafted into the MLB than it is to get really? into the WGA because it's so hard to get those points and stay and, and, and work consistently. But um, it's a, it's a cool little community, you know, yeah. just a writer community, you know, cause I can identify with you in ways where, you know, I can't identify what other people who are yeah. not writers because yeah. we have that, you know, we know what it is to sit at the computer, sit there and the bleed. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's where we get our high from though. Yeah. No, I yeah. love every part of, of, uh, of the process. Yeah. Just like, uh, just like I love every part of the process of writing from coming yeah. up with the, the theme, the title, my outline, yeah. my one page executive summary, the yeah. narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. going back and then editing that and yeah, going, yeah. going back and forth with Emily Bessler, my editor yeah. at Simon and Schuster. And then, uh, 
the lead up to publication and yeah. the marketing. Same thing with uh, yeah. with the show, like being yeah. a part of it from day one. I love every part of that process. That's awesome. uh, and even the parts that like, oh, okay, we're not going to have this character in this show because there's just not enough time. Yeah. Oh, I really like that scene. Or, hey, I really like this one scene at the end. Uh, well, I guess it's not going to fit in. It yeah. doesn't work now yeah. because yeah. of these other changes. Yeah. You know what? And that's okay. Yeah. It's just kind of how it is. And you're all coming together as this team to build these scripts and then and then bring it to the, the next level. Yeah. Um, but it's like you said, it's like knowing when yeah, yeah. to like draw that line in the yeah, sand yeah, yeah. and uh, and when not to. So we had something at the end of the show. I think we talk about it on the Terminal List podcast. Yeah. But uh, there was a different ending. And uh, uh, me and Chris and Antoine got together and yeah. talked about it and, and the showrunner. And I was like, it has to can't end that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. We're going to lose everyone. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so we got together and figured out like how to get it, the ending that we wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was cool. But other things yeah. like, uh, like there's this, and you talked earlier about writing yourself into a corner. Yeah, I kind of yeah, like that because yeah. it's that challenge. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And uh, so I did it a couple times. I did it with, uh, uh, in the book, Katie has, I have debt cord wrapped around her head and this other characters over here is going to blow her head off. And, and it, it really encapsulated the entire theme of revenge without constraint yeah. because James Reese, my protagonist yeah. kills this guy. And he thought that if he did that, that, well, the reader thinks yeah. that is going to yeah. blow off Katie's head. Yeah. And so it was this, it, the whole theme is encapsulated yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a couple pages later, I have her snap out of this trance as she's about to fly off. And, and she's like, how did you know that he wasn't going to blow my head off? Yeah. And he looks in her and says, I didn't. <laughs> and then he turns and runs yeah. off. And, uh, but yeah. that was writing yourself into a corner. Yeah. Cause when I wrote that, yeah. I didn't know, yeah. how, I knew she was going to be coming back and they were going to come back together yeah. down the line, yeah. but I hadn't figured out how, like once yeah. you do that, we say that to yeah. somebody like, well, I didn't care if you lived or died. Yeah. Like, how do you figure that out? Yeah. And I didn't know. And so that's why the, why Katie is hardly in the second book. Cause I hadn't figured it yeah, out yeah, yet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. she's really not in the book, true yeah, believer. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time I got to Savage Son, I'm like, man, I really got to figure this out. Yeah. And so I did, and I figured it out in a real a creative way that I really like and brought them back together that's and awesome. worked going forward. So yeah. I do like writing myself into, into corners. Uh, the end of the last book yeah. ends on more of a cliffhanger. Um, but I knew that gives me a direction that I have to figure out or this yeah, letter. Sure. I have this letter in the safe deposit box that when I wrote it at yeah. the end of the third book, I didn't really know what was in it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I, I, and I've had to figure that out over the last couple of books. Yeah. And now for this one, I figured yeah. it out, but sometimes it just takes a it little takes a time. And you know what it also takes? What I love is it also takes sometimes stepping, uh, stepping away as an author or writer, whether it's a script or book and saying, okay, character, you tell me mm. what the line of dialogue is going to be, or you tell me what it is that you, mm. that you would do because you know, I, best based off your patterns or what it is that you would yeah. say. And, and, uh, I think that, you know, when we get into, at least for myself, when I get into that corner and it's hard to get out, what I've learned to fall back on is the character. The characters tell you. And that's yeah. what strengthens the story yeah. is when it's the character driving it. So, yeah. um, because I, so I know for me, sometimes I could, I, I could, I could have a character do something that's out of character, no pun intended, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, uh, and, and, and so the, so essentially the corner helps yeah. realign me to get the character yeah. back to where that character would be or say or act or so on. And so yeah. Forth. That's interesting. You say that. Cause that's yeah. what I did. Yeah. I had for that, the Katie scenario, I had her figure it out. Yeah, and yeah. She comes up with this yeah, solution yeah. or she yeah. puts him 
in this position yeah. where he has to answer and she knows it's going to be the truth because yeah, yeah, yeah. of what I do. Oh, yeah. like the, because of the scenario that I put them in together. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was really cool. But, but that was one of those ones where I was like, ah, oh, it's not in the book. We tried to incorporate it into, uh, episode five where James Reese sees her and he's about to let off this, yeah. this EFP, this IED yeah. improvised explosive device. And, uh, and he sees her and she's kind of close to it. And it's, but it wasn't exactly the same, but that's yeah. where we tried to honor like the spirit yeah, 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 of yeah, the story. Yeah, yeah. Yep. and keep it grounded in the spirit yeah, of the yeah. story, even though it was different, but you yeah. really had to be looking. You yeah, really yes. had to be paying attention. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it wasn't exactly, that was one of those ones I'm like, hey, you know, it fit in the book. Yeah. It's not fitting in here. Yeah. Uh, we, there's no way to force it really yep. Yep. into this. So, uh, you know, you just got to kind of just continue to go go forward. But yeah. when you get to something like the end, and you know it's not not going to work. Yeah. That's when you got to come together and, and come together as this team and figure out how to make it how yeah. to make it work in a way that makes sense um, for the for the audience and for the story. Yeah, and for the story. 100%. Um, but I love every part of that. Yeah. Every part of that process. Yeah. Um, but man, I want to ask you a little bit more about being on the set of some of these huge films, like yeah. with Gerard Butler, yeah. and, and you're on the film of the Arena Ambulance. Like, yeah. like what what's it like being on these huge? I mean, you started off with Transformers. Yeah. So you started yeah. off here, yeah. and and, uh, and you start off with these huge blockbusters. Yeah. But uh, what are some of those those experiences that you've uh, taken away as kind of ones you think about, like, man, on that with Gerard Butler in this situation yeah. or an ambulance with this when Michael Bay said that? Or like, yeah. like what are some of those cool experiences that you uh, think man. about? I mean, one that I kind of touched on already was when we were on uh, Six Underground and um, there was a there was an assassination scene um in this in this hotel room and they kind of gave me some some latitude to kind of you know hey what would you do that was you mm. that was that i think that's when i was like i'm gonna do this full time mm. to be able to have that 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 kind of approval from Bay to to say something you know in that capacity and 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 kind of be a little minor filmmaker in that yeah. moment that was huge for me adding um, value yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, unless it plane was awesome, I would say um, a, a huge moment for me on plane was when my kids came to set. Nice. And uh, um, my oldest son is dyslexic. And he's, and, you know, and, and he, he struggles. He, he struggles really, really bad. And, uh, but he loves movies. Mm. He loves movies. And the DP, um, we, there was a scene that was being shot where, where the camera kind of booms up and, and, and arcs around the plane. And it just was the ending sequence. And it was a really great shot. And the DP allowed my son to kind of like, he put, he put his hand on my son's hand and allowed him to move the camera. Oh, that's awesome. And that, that was really impactful for me because, you know, I don't know how my son moving forward from an educational standpoint, you know, I've, we've talked to therapists and, and the seal foundations, uh, was it seal kids, which is a foundation that's helped my kid get my son, get some, you know, therapy with his dyslexia and, and mm -hmm. get some, some better education as well. And, uh, the reoccurring theme is, you know, will he, will he go to college? Will he, will he be able to excel in college? Possibly. But what if college is not his path? What if, you know, but, I, I, but film, he loves film. Mm. And so I'm kind of tied all together because I know I'm, I'm, I'm creating a soup sandwich here, but essentially, you know, to be, to have put myself in a position where I could be on a movie set mm. and be making movies has now put my son in a situation, in a position where he can possibly discover his path. Awesome. And that moment when the DP 
put my hand son on on the uh, on the uh, handle that controls the camera booming up and allowed him to help get that shot you know it impacted me because that wouldn't have happened if I didn't do what I did and, and pursued this path. And who knows that may end up being my son's path in the future yeah. um, because he loves film and he loves storytelling. Um, so that I would say that, that that's probably one of the, the other uh, most impactful moments in my life. And then being on the sets of, you know, the unexpected short film that, I mean, just, just to be able to call action the first yeah, time I was, that's all you, call, I yeah, mean, you got, yeah. How did that feel to have all oh, that on man. your shoulders? Do you to love be it? Able to take all of what I've learned from working mm -hmm. with these different directors and filmmakers and now be able to, to apply it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ugh, you can't put a freaking price tag on that, man. You can't put a price tag on being and on writing a screenplay and then having these visions of, the, of what everything's going to look like mm -hmm. and then either elevating that vision, either having that vision play out on camera with actors right. or even better, having them elevate what you have, the writing. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And breathe it into life. Breathe yeah. this fictitious world into life. And I'll, I'll never forget when I was shooting this scene uh, for the unexpected, um, when the girl was, she was getting her heart extracted. And uh, uh, it was, it was so moving. They, they, we were shooting on this farm in Kansas City, and um, the, the 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 neighbors had told us because we had like a whole film crew and vehicles and all that. Like I went all out. I spent a lot of money on that thing, and so they came by and they and I allowed them to watch into the monitor and to see her reaction when her heart is getting you know when she's getting cut open mm. with no pain meds and. This girl, she was, her performance was just phenomenal. The way she was just screaming and crying and tearing—I mean, she was tearing up. To see the reaction of the um, the neighbors was just wow. Yeah. It's like it start. I saw this in my mind, and now mm -hmm. they're seeing what was in my mind on a screen. And you know, to even go further off the set, I get—I've I, gotten messages on the YouTube channel from people who say I had to stop watching 14 minutes in, mm. or. This it's is powerful. This is too real. Yeah. It's you powerful. Know? And I'm like, that I did my job. Yeah. We, you don't have to watch the rest of it. I did my job. You were the, the story impacted you in such a way that that you had to cut it off, which means yeah. that it, it read as real to you. Yeah. And that's what filmmaking is, is taking something that's fictitious and making it real, making the viewer uh believe that it is actually real it is actually happening yeah. and so you know that was another uh, that and i get those messages you know often maybe once a week like not that i cut off I, I almost cut it off i i couldn't i almost couldn't make it to the end or i couldn't make it to the yeah. end because of how raw and real it reads yeah. and it saddens me that um um this is what the people say it saddens me that this actually happens mm -hmm. and that's why i wanted that film to be raw and real because i wanted people to realize that there are people right now and i wrote this line and and an unexpected redemption film that we're going to it's going to production later this year you know um when one of the characters doesn't want to go down this path of burning down this organ harvesting ring i wrote this line of dialogue that says listen you know we can go back to our everyday lives right now but just just realize that at this very moment somebody's on the operating table getting their organs extracted at this very moment, a, a child is being raped, you know, and being sold for sex at this very moment. So we can make the decision to go back to our everyday life that's protected and, 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 and comfortable. But just know that these things are happening and going back to filmmaking. That's I think that that's what really um, 
you know, captured me working on Transformers and, and really showed me my path because as a, as a SEAL, like I know we all serve, we all did the job, not so that we could be glamorized as SEALs. We all did the job because we wanted to serve. We wanted to get back. We wanted to protect those who couldn't protect themselves. And, 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 and when we leave the military for all of us, I know that that's a part of that's still a part of us. We still feel this need to serve and give back and do something. And for me, that's what filmmaking is. It's a tool to be able to serve. It's a tool to be able to tell stories that's going to inspire people, uh, that's going to educate people on the realities of human trafficking and the realities of sex trafficking, organ harvesting, or motivate people to do something different in life so that they could be better in life. And so, you know, um, that's when people respond to me and say, Things like, hey, you know, this film has moved me to do something mm-hmm. to get in the fight against human trafficking. Then I'm, I, I feel like I have served, and I am serving my purpose. You know, yeah. and and so, um, yeah, I know that was a long answer, but th- those were the those were probably the most impactful moments of being a filmmaker and a storyteller is getting the getting the nod from Bay. Hey, you want to cool. kind of make a decision on this on the scene, and then you know having watching my son control a camera and 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 thinking in my mind, can this be his path, and this yeah. can potentially be his path because I chose this as my path, and then seeing people's re- and hearing people's reactions to the content and the stories that I tell, and how it's impacted them to to make a difference in this world yeah man people should definitely check it out. how long is that film again i watched it last year when it came yeah, out it's, it's 32 minutes 32 minutes 32 so minutes, yeah, uh yeah. so definitely check out yeah, 32 yeah. minutes and it yeah. is so powerful it is awesome yeah. so check that out for sure and the film is gonna be heavier man yeah. it's heavy like my uh it's so funny and not funny but it's so cool because the producers alan siegel and gerard but even mike grabawi he's uh He's one of the producers of the film slash finance. He produced Hotel Mumbai, and he's produced a bunch of films with Thunder Road. Um, you know, he, he, when we had a meeting after they read the script, they were just like, "We want to keep it raw and real. Yeah, we want it to be like the short, but obviously dial up the production value and dial up the acting with some you know more professional actors. But we want that raw, real feeling because that's because that's what yeah. it's about right there. And then. <laughs> Yeah, you touched on something also that I really liked about this. Yeah. And I don't know if it's like this on every yeah. uh, production or not, but when you have that script yeah. and you're creating it, essentially, you know, a nice air-conditioned room yeah. somewhere. Yeah. You got your team together yeah. and, okay, it's yeah. working together. Look at this. And then you get out there and you look at it, you're like, oh, wait a sec, this is not going to work exactly how yeah. we thought back in that nice yeah. air-conditioned room. Or, yeah. hey, you know what? This actor is brought to these roles in episodes one, two, and three, and now we're on episode four, and this yeah. line is not ringing true anymore yeah. because yeah. of what they brought with their performances. And so you have to adapt. Yeah. So I really like that, just like in the real in real world yeah. and SEAL teams when you're down there downrange, yeah. and, you know, you're adapting, and the enemy's yeah. adapting, yeah. and you in yeah. turn are adapting to yeah. them, and you're yeah. looking yeah. for gaps in their defenses, and yeah. you're capitalizing on momentum, yeah. and their environmental factors that you can't control when you're back there doing some uh the planning but uh, all those things come into play and same thing with on the on the set you have that script and you know what you get there and so i liked how adaptive the entire team was out there uh or chris would come up and say this isn't uh, i don't like this line anymore or whatever else like this doesn't not sure this is working anymore what do you guys think and we'd be like yeah that's not really working anymore let's let's change that up or get rid of it or whatever it was um and uh that was really cool to have to be able 
to adapt. And yes. without that adaptability, if you don't, yeah. then you, you have this like one, two, three, and then someone's watched episode four and it's like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. what on earth? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and all. it might have a year ago in yeah. a writer's room, uh, but not anymore. Yeah. Not when you're on set yeah. after you've filmed these other other yeah. other uh, uh, episodes yeah. and, and then the scripts have morphed or you know, all those sorts of things. So I really yeah. like like how uh, how adaptive you have to yeah. be yeah. in that environment to continue to create this this product and keep yeah. it moving for six months of production yeah. or whatever you're whatever you're doing of filming. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes, man. It keeps yeah. you on your toes, man. Yeah, no, I love that part. Yeah. Love yeah. that part. And have everybody know that that's okay yep. uh, to do that yep. is, is awesome. That's what we want. Yep. We want to adapt and we want yep. to make this thing the best it can possibly be. Yep. But uh, for Chameleon, you yeah. did a short film that yeah. you just did. So how, yeah, how long is that going to be? Are you editing it right yeah. now? Yeah. And when's so, that coming out? Yeah, so we're in post right now on it. It's going to be about nine to ten minutes. It's so cool the way it came about. Um, it is a there's a podcaster slash their podcast was YouTubers called Dirty Civilian. Awesome dudes. They're based out of Tennessee and their their goal is to, they, they've never served in the military. So their goal is to kind of educate civilians on tactics, survival, uh, so that they're prepared in the case something crazy happens in the country. They're not having to just run to the military base. They, they're they prepared to survive and, and take care of their families. And so um, these guys reached out to me and just like, hey, dude, we see that you got Chameleon coming out and you're a frog man. Like, would you be open to coming on our podcast and then doing a video um, maybe you know, about you shooting, talking about how you train actors or prep actors for a film? And uh, I was like, sure. And then like a day later, it wore into how about we take a chapter from your book and we shoot a film and I and uh, and they I pitched that idea to them and they were like we are a hundred percent in nice. and uh, so they picked the chapter okay um, um they and 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 then they told me and then I wrote the script in like two days and uh, it's, it was one of uh, an epic action packed chapter, which I was kind of concerned about because I was like, right. Uh, what kind of resources we're going to have? But uh, we got out there, those guys, I mean, they, they have this massive shooting range, oh. kill house, tons of property. Then they have tons of farmland. And so, uh, so we shot it, I, you know, I, I directed, wrote it and directed it. And uh, we shot the majority of it in Tennessee, and uh, that was two weeks ago, or not not yet yeah, last week actually. And then uh, and then uh, we did some I did some pickup shots in San Diego because we needed a beach. Mm. There's no there are no mm -hmm. beaches in in, mm. uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, to be able to do a cool like frogman type insert. So we uh, did some insert shots and some close up shots in Nashville, Tennessee. Got some nice. fake sand and put it down on a on a farm and okay. along a tree line. And then we shot the rest in, in California. And so that's in post production now. I got some of the same team uh, that worked on uh, on the post production side of things. What the unexpected that are doing it so I got the same colorist so the the, the visual is going to be awesome and yeah man it's 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 going to be epic it's going to it's one of those films that you know um it's so cool how it all transpired because as I mentioned you know it started out as a film so to have it start out as a film yeah. turn into a book and then now you know be somewhat a, a yeah. part of it a film it's it's pretty pretty cool and it all ends on a cliffhanger uh and at the end we're going to say uh, you know I haven't really worked it all out yet but it's going to say you know it, it ends on a cliffhanger it says to be continued 
Nice. <laughs> get the book. Get the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, we shy, we, we're going to have it done. The goal is to have it done by July 18th to release it a week before the book releases, which nice. is July 25th. So nice. that way you kind of, you know, push people to be like, all right, I got I to gotta get this book to see how they got to this point in the, yes. in the, in the film and how they, how, how it's going to all end up. End up. So, awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And this is it right here. Chameleon, first one, and you're working yeah. on the second one yep, working right on now? The second one yep which is an adaptation of uh of the screenplay and uh yeah man and hopefully you know if the, the screenplay gets goes into production which probably won't because i got to do unexpected redemption and then and then we're, i'm, I'm kind of working on me and my team are going to negotiate with the studio for me to direct transform so that's that film won't be a few years down the line the chameleon um and so uh in, in the case that that does happen you know the screenplay will be that's already done will be what happens first and so we'll almost do it like kind of like star wars where we have episode mm -hmm. you know th uh, four five and six come out first and then go back to the beginning almost something yeah, similar to what you guys are doing with the uh terminalist prequel series so Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love it. Yeah. So this podcast will drop right when this uh, book hits. Thank you, so, uh, yeah, everybody go check out Chameleon right here. And, man, awesome. Congratulations on all you have going on. Thank you, Did I miss anything you have going on? You have so much going on. I'm worried I missed a oh, bunch man. of things because you are juggling a ton of different things. And it's awesome to see you crushing it Thank in Hollywood. You, and I think it's great for people that are in the military or not even in the military, yeah. any, anybody who was like aspiring to, yeah. to like, or thinking about writing or thinking about directing or yeah. thinking about acting yeah. and seeing that it's possible. Yes. I think yes. a lot of people get discouraged along the way because someone tells them the odds and they believe it yes. and they go, Oh yeah, I guess, I, mean, well, I guess I'll just go and do whatever. Yeah. Um, that's, that's too hard. That's not, you know, you're just always going to be looking up there yeah, wishing yeah. or wondering or, yeah. you know, whatever. Whatever, then get later in life. And you're like, Man, if only I'd given it a shot yeah. back in the day. So for to have a podcast where you talk about yeah. it and people can listen and some kid in high school is listening to this yeah. and it's like oh man i always wanted to serve my country but i also want to be in in film look at this yeah. guy did it yeah, yeah you know and uh so that's real that's inspiring yeah. for for a lot of people and you didn't have this sort of a platform for people to be able to see that it's possible they yeah. could see it yeah, yeah, yeah. but you didn't even know a lot of these like it, let's yeah. say the 50s 60s 70s yeah. a lot of those directors actors producers yeah. guess what they were in world war ii yeah yeah, and yeah you don't even yeah. you don't know that yeah. because yeah. all you're seeing is a name yeah, yeah. at the end of a movie that yeah. says directed by yeah or you're seeing you know the opening credits star yeah. you know star in there yeah. and but you don't know yeah now you can look up and now people See. can hear us on a podcast and yeah. now they know yeah. that you were in the military they know you're in the seal teams they yeah. know you did all these things they know you have a book they know you were yeah. on these different sets and yeah. and uh now you have this x y or z and it, it's inspiring along the way so yeah. and just you're not just seeing the end product yeah, yeah, yeah. you're hearing about the journey the beginning and yeah. i think that's really cool that's awesome uh, thank you brother and uh I'm proud of you and everything you do. And thank you for allowing me to jump on your platform to share and uh, let's keep crushing it, man. And, uh, and telling authentic and cool stories that are going to inspire, motivate and educate the masses. Cause I know for a fact you're doing it and hopefully a uh, chameleon book could do it too. I try to, I, instead of just making it also, it's an espionage thriller action, but I also tried to somewhat of a political thriller as well, because one thing I wanted to try and do in the book was use you, I created this underlying theme of uh, of, of uh, political unity, you know, and 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 how a lot of our a lot of division in this country is uh, is generated from the top. 
because the top needs us to be divided. Exactly. Who benefits? Yeah, the mm-hmm. top benefits. They need us to be divided. And so, so it's 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 more. It's it's kind of like how with the unexpected. I tried to make that film all about organ harvesting, and that's ostensibly about organ harvesting and to drive that message. There's an undercurrent in the, in, in in the chameleon about hey, let's let's try to come together. Let's realize you know that our enemies is, is sometimes at the top, and our enemy is trying to keep us. It's not our neighbor. You know, yeah. um, and so uh, hopefully, uh, po- hopefully, people get that message as well. Yeah, I think recognizing that is kind of a, a first step towards being able to yep. to listen to somebody else yep. or to not necessarily just put them in the enemy pile exactly. because of a, of a tweet or something exactly. like that. Exactly. But uh, man, I'm hoping we get to work together again on something sure will, in brother. the future. I'm sure we will yeah. as well. And uh, Chameleon, by the time this drops, it'll be out. Yep. But uh, July 25th yeah, on man. shelves. Yes, Pick sir. it up and check out all the films and everything else you have going on. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Awesome, man. Thank Thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming up. Appreciate you. God bless, brother. Take care. Yes, sir. This is Jack Carr, and I want to talk to you about Schnee's boots. If you followed me for a while, you know what a big fan I am. This pair right here is the same pair that I have been wearing for over a decade now, and these are the ones that I wear when I want to come out heavier than I went in on a backcountry hunt. So I uh, love these things. They are absolutely awesome. And I have a bunch of different kinds of boots. They're pack boots. Um, and to go check them out at schnees.com, S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com. Schnees mountain boots are handmade in their Italian factory located in the foothills of the Italian Alps. Each boot is made from the absolute highest quality materials available from the fine leathers to heavy duty hardware and Vibram outsoles. They only sell direct to you without the middleman markup. This means they can put higher quality materials and craftsmanship in every boot. So you get more boot for your money. They are also all backed by Schnee's industry-leading customer service and support. When you call them, you'll talk to someone right there in Montana that actually wears the boots. So be sure and give them a call. They have a lot of options out there. Find the right boot for you. Definitely check them out. If you head over to schnees.com, S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com, you can score up to 30% off your new pair of mountain boots. You heard that right. You can save 30% off any pair of regularly priced Schnee's mountain boots. Use promo code JACK23, J-A-C-K-2-3. That's schnees.com, S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com. JACK23 is the promo code. Enjoy those boots. Black Rifle Coffee Company. You can help Black Rifle Coffee raise $1 million to benefit veterans through the boot campaign. All you need to do is grab a can of ready-to-drink coffee online or from your local grocery or convenience store. The boot campaign is one of the most renowned veteran-focused nonprofits in the country, working tirelessly to provide life-changing aid and benefits to service members and their families. Join forces with Black Rifle in the boot campaign from May through the end of the year, where every can of ready-to-drink coffee you buy will contribute to making this massive donation possible. Black Rifle ready-to-drink coffee is available in several great-tasting flavors on the Black Rifle Coffee website at your local convenience or grocery store, and no matter where you are, you can fuel your caffeine fix while supporting veterans. Every time you crack open a can of ready-to-drink, you'll be making a huge difference in the lives of veterans and their families. Black Rifle Coffee is committed to serving the veteran community, and with your help, we can all continue to make a difference. Let's raise a can together to keep fueling Americans for a good cause. Check out blackriflecoffee.com slash dangerclose and use code dangerclose20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase 
and your first coffee club order. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Danger Close. Drink up. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the Danger Close podcast. A lot of cool things to go over today. I'm going to start over here, a gift on book tour. And thank you to everyone who stopped by on book tour to say hello. Got a ton of amazing gifts. Sincerely appreciate each and every one, especially all the whiskey. But there's a ton of whiskey, uh, honey, knives, coins, law enforcement, firefighters, FBI, DEA, Secret Service, patches. Thank you all so much for coming by on book tour. It was just a blast. And this right here, so wine rack, wine glasses hang upside down right there. And right here it says, take a breath, look around, make a call. That's something I learned from Jocko in one of my pre-deployment workups. And right there, cross tomahawks and never tell me the odds. I love that. It's kind of a mantra that I've lived my life by, and it's really never pay attention to the odds. That doesn't fit as well on things because people are going to tell you the odds, and they're going to tell you how hard it is to do something and how much the odds are against you and what's your backup plan. So it's really about never paying attention to those odds or using those comments as fuel. So uh, thank you so much for this, and thank you to everybody who uh, stopped by on Book Tour to say hello. And what, oh, Magnum PI trading cards. Yes. So look at that. I think I should stay away from the bubble gum in there. I'm not sure if I'll be able to resist opening these up, but uh, very thoughtful. Thank you so much. Magnum PI trading cards. Awesome. And staccato. So right here. Thank you guys. I'll show you right here and check out staccato and they have a, some great pistols um, and just Awesome crew over there. And if you can see, if you can zoom in, look at that. Cross Tomahawks right there. Oh, yeah. And the American flag right there. So uh, so Buck and everybody out there at Staccato, thank you. Cannot wait to give this a run. Awesome. All right. Whiskey. Oh, yeah. Hooten Young. Go to HootenYoung.com. Of course, Norm Hooten from Black Hawk Down. If you watch that movie, he was played by Eric Bana, Hoot in the movie. So that's Norm Hooten. And right here, you can get the Jack Carr Warrior Proof Whiskey. Cross Tomahawks right there in the middle. Go to HootenYoung.com. Check this out. And yeah, and it's good. So definitely check that out. And to pair with that at OfficialJackCar.com, you can get this Whiskey Flight. So four glasses like that. And check that out. That is very cool. So uh, check that out, officialjackcar.com. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner. I will move these out of the way so I do not break them because I'll be using them later. And Montana Knife Company, what have you sent here? All right, the Marshall. So right here, they come with this, tell you, tells you a little bit about the blade, be sure and go to montananifecompany.com and sign up for their newsletter because once they do a drop, these things go quickly. Sticker right there and the blade right here. Yep. So check them out. I have, whoa, look at this bad boy. Oh, there's a knife. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, made in the USA, Josh Smith. Awesome. Follow them on Instagram as well. And be sure and sign up for that newsletter. Awesome. Thank you, guys. And let's see. Here we go. And look at that stand. That thing is awesome. So this is the Spear LT right here, Tango Optic. I'll add a light to it. I'll add a sling to it. 
and yeah, this thing is awesome. I'll put some irons on there as well, but uh, looking forward to getting out to Thunder Ranch and running through the paces with this thing right here. Awesome. Thank you, Sig. All right. I think that is it for today. Take care out there. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. To find out more about Remy Adelecki and what he has going on, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at R-E-M-I-A-D-E-L-E-K-E. You can find me at Jack Carr USA on the social channels, officialjackcar.com. That is the website. Click on shop in the upper right-hand corner for the merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure and leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care out there. Stay safe. Be strong. Keep fighting.